Hello and good afternoon, Gamer Nation. Welcome to this Saturday's special event known as the Double Barrel Gaming Presents Game of the Year 2020. I am your host, Mr. Boomstick XL. And folks, we have an action-packed two hours for you. We're going to be talking about some of our history as friends to open up the show so you get to know us for all the new viewers that we might you know have today we're also going to be talking about some of the biggest surprises biggest disappointments of 2020 of course we're going to give you our top 10 and our game of the year individually and then one of our panel members who is the numbers guy is going to break it down and we're going to give you the panels uh, ultimate game of the year 2020. We're also going to be talking about some of the indie titles that surprised us. And more importantly, towards the end of the show, we're going to be talking about what we are looking forward to in 2021 with the three major developers slash publishers in Nintendo, Xbox, and of course, PlayStation. And quite frankly, because of all of of the delays in 2020, 2021 could potentially be a really packed year for gaming, especially if you are like us who support all three consoles. But let's get into the introductions first, and then we will break down what you guys and gals came out to hear today. First up, you know him as someone that I talk about almost on an every show basis. He is Technically, my mother, or my mother, my brother from another mother. I thought it'd be weird. That <laughs> yeah, would be kind of weird. Neo Mental, welcome to the program, dude. I know your ears are always ringing. Yes, you are my brother from another mother. Uh, we have a tremendous long family-like history, and it's great to have you a part of today's show. Well, thank you, good sir. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited. I'm sad that we won't be getting together later on like we normally do. Yeah, wow. You know, that's the year that we've been in. So thankfully, we're all here. We're healthy. And, uh, you know, we'll have some fun. And then next year, we'll be able to hang out. So, Yeah, I mean, look, again, we're going to get into why we're doing it this way. Uh, uh, You know, it's COVID has really thrown a monkey wrench into not just this particular podcast. It's the world, folks. And we normally do these shows and get together personally. It's one of the uh, one of the uh, things I look forward to the most. We don't get a chance to hang out. Uh, We are friends that grew up uh, in the, uh, you know, in the early 90s working for Funko Land. And uh, it's something that brings us together each and every year, which, is, of course, is this game of the year. Usually it's a dinner. We, you know, we go to dinner. Our favorite restaurant is Fridays, but we, of course, mi- mix that up. And uh, then we go to someone's house or crib uh, and we kind of just hang out for the, the remainder of the evening, just kind of catching up on life and talking about video games. It's very nerdy for sure, but it's something that we have been doing. This is now the ninth annual um Game of the Awards, a game, game of the Year Awards show that, and I think this is our third one that we're doing live on the air. And again, we just wanted to kind of bring something fun to the, uh, you know, Double Barrel Gaming's channel and kind of uh, involve the community in the conversation. But next up, we're going to talk about someone who was a revered and stickler manager for us during the uh, <laughs> Funkoland days, who nearly got executed for not making a return to, uh, let's say, a Yonkers police officer. Please welcome Jay the Retro Gamer. <laughs> you never let me forget that, do you? No, we will not. <laughs> okay. well, well, thank you for having me. Look, you know, I'll admit I, I struggled a little bit to get excited to do a video game show with the world seemingly 
turning upside down this last year, but if it's taught us anything that it just reminds us to be appreciative and grateful for the blessings in our life, which the friendship with the three of you absolutely is a part of that. And plus I respect tradition that we've been doing it this long. So the distraction is what we need right now. So I'm just ready to kick back and have some fun. Yeah. And you know what? It's great that you think like that because obviously you just never know what's going to happen. And obviously we're, we're not, we're not doing the show just living for today. Um, but you're right. We do have to, you know, do things that pull us away from the horrific world that we're currently living in. And it's uh, this is a good way to spend two hours with not just us, but with the community at large to kind of just, you know, hang out, talk about video games and have some fun. And last and in no way least, uh, he is someone that has been uh, so, uh, a friend of mine that we have done some of the most epic trades in the history of trades growing up. Uh, they really were a, a slobber knocker of trades, if you will. Please welcome to the show, Jay the Destroyer. Hello, everyone. And I, I just would like to say that Boomstick, that I've always considered you like a father from another mother, <laughs> from another brother, from a cousin. I love it. Yo. <laughs> All right, listen, dude, it's great to have you a part of the show. And obviously, this is something that we look forward to. Uh, I, I actually think it might have been even uh, you uh, a couple of years ago. You said, like, you know, why don't we try and do this live on the air? And uh, here we are, you know, third year in a row doing this. And uh, like I said, you know, again, we don't, we're not expecting a thousand people to show up, though that would be nice. But we are going to be talking about our game of the year and a bunch of other things to kind of keep everybody entertained. But you know, just to give you a little heads up, we all met uh, in the early 90s during the Funko Land era. Now, that's that's a name that a lot of people are going to be, like, scratching their brains. Like, they don't even know what we're talking about. These guys are old. Yeah, well, we are actually all old. Me being the oldest of the bunch um, at 50 years uh, young, I should say. But Funko Land was what GameStop is now. Uh, it was, uh, it was uh, uh, you know, something that really was a first of its kind and uh we all worked in the yonkers central avenue store uh back in the er you know the early 90s and obviously you know it's it's it was let's just say for some really fun times um and uh it, again it's it's what brought us together and video games is what keeps us together not and and the friendships that we have made over the long long years of, it's just been something that's been memorable to me. It's memorable to everybody on this panel. But, you know, it's, again, you guys are not here to, you know, for our history lesson. We're going to get into the gaming part of it. And we're going to start with our biggest uh, surprises and disappointments. Um, and we're going to start with uh, Jay the Retro Gamer. Now, uh, um, Retro, for you, and the way we're going to break it down uh, is we're going to go into your biggest surprises first. Give Get everyone's answers and then come back around to everyone's disappointment. So for you, I mean, 2020 has been a year that's going to be revered for many reasons. But there are a lot of great games that released during a pandemic. And there are certain situations that may not even be so much particularly uh, based on a game, but on a, on a, uh, a happening. For you, what was one of the biggest surprises of 2020? Um, I, this game is going to get echoed in a number of probably different categories, but for me, the biggest surprise of the year was, uh, little, uh, this little game called Hades. Okay. Uh, I'm not, I'm in no way, shape or form a fan of roguelike games, but that game 
you know, just kind of was came out of nowhere for me. And, and you know, I can't I can't be surprised with a uh, that it's from Supergiant Games, you know, who has a you know great pedigree of uh, of titles. So that was my personal surprise of the year. No, and you know what? I mean, listen, IGN just gave that game, uh, gave that, that that particular title, Game of the Year, for them, uh, and that's a that's a big deal. Uh, it was obviously a part of the Game Awards 2020, uh, and uh, a small title that could. I have it. It's unfortunately a victim to the heinous backlog that we all have. I bought it the day it came out. I heard amazing things, and uh, I'm not a big roguelike dude either. But that is a game I honestly cannot wait to sink my teeth into, and uh, that good good on you for that. So let's go to a Neo Mental next. Neo, for you, um, there there were a lot of games like you 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 gave games like uh, Destiny and The Division, two of your favorite franchises, a bit of a break so you can actually play games. A, a gaming forte, a very good friend of mine and panel member on Primetime Gaming, uh, said that it was his biggest sin. In gaming, dedicating so much time to those two, well, that destiny, for instance, for him and for you, it was both. And when you do that, as as much as you become a part of the lore, uh, you 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 miss out on a lot of games. For you, what was 2020's biggest surprise? Well, it's weird because, like you said, you know that has been the biggest problem. And I actually focused this year on not getting as much into it. Like it's sad because I didn't play. Destiny is not even on my top 10 list because I didn't even play New Light. Um, you know, uh, I actually tried playing different things. And it's weird because I got like months where I was stuck in different games, which was a great thing. Um, but the, surprisingly enough, the biggest surprise for me was Apple Arcade. Um, when I got my, um, my iPhone when it came out a couple months ago, I got three months for free. And I actually started checking it out. And there is like a ton of good games in there. Like it's really, it was really surprising. And it's actually one of the games in there that hit my um, top 10 this year. Um, so that really like, there's so many good games in there. So many good games. I actually, I downloaded like 10 of them. I didn't even get a chance to play them all. Um, so that like knocked me out. I was really surprised that it had that many good games in it. Well, that's that's pretty interesting. Uh, I don't have Apple Arcade. I'm really not a big Apple kind of a dude. Um, you know, obviously, if what you're talking about uh, is, is something that is worthy of me taking a dip, putting my toe into the water and checking out, I actually might do that because they do have exclusives. Um, and uh, again, smaller exclusives. I don't know, you know, what what the future holds for Apple. Uh, obviously, you know, when you talk about the uh, you know, when you when you look at what happened with all of these services like Hulu and Netflix and all of these different services uh, that offer movies and shows, uh, you you could imagine that video games are the next uh, evolution of that war that's coming. Now, uh, it seems as if the one that is the head of the game is Microsoft with the Xbox Game Pass. And, um, you know, they've said publicly that uh, they don't even look at Nintendo and Sony as competitors. They look at Apple. They look at Amazon. Right. They look at those uh, other big giant companies. And I think that we're going to be getting some big bombs from all of them. I mean, I, I know you can <laughs> I didn't even mention Stadia Stadia, even though it's it's I don't think I don't find it to be as relevant as it should be, considering it's been out as long 
um, uh, you know, as it has. But, you know, it, it, that's pretty interesting that your biggest surprise comes from a streaming giant like Apple. That's pretty interesting. Uh, let's get uh, Jay the Retro Gamers. Uh, I said not Jay the Retro Gamer, Jay the Destroyer. What, what, what for you was the biggest surprise of 2020 when talking about gaming? Well, <clears throat> when it comes to the biggest surprise, uh, the way Gaming Forte was saying about a gaming sin. So my gaming sin is my biggest surprise. And it is the time that I put into Cyberpunk. And I put in a lot of time into Cyberpunk. And why I'm so surprised is because it is not a good game at all. Okay. All right. And and I know Neo Mental's a huge fan. And Obviously, it did something right because I played a, 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 a metric ton of it and I kept on playing it. And I don't know why I kept on playing it because I could have given my time to many other better games. But it obviously did something right. So that's my biggest surprise because how I could play a game so much that I personally think is not good. That's you know what, dude. That is actually pretty interesting. Like, I don't think I've ever heard that breakdown of you know someone's surprise being, yeah, I I really played the hell out of this game, but did not like it, uh, and found it to be doesn't so make any sense. Yeah, that that it, it, well, it, it it does make sense. It does make sense because leading up to the release of, I mean, listen, I still don't have the game. Uh, I, I had my uh, my collector's edition, you know, stolen or, you know, whatever, never got it. So I got a refund. And then when, you know, all of the negativity around surrounding that game came out, I decided to kind of just hold off. So, I mean, I was worried about not getting the collector's edition. Now I'm not worried about it at all because it's dropping in price. And it is a game that once they patch uh, officially, and I know that they've done some se several patches, Um I'll jump into the game, and I'm ho I'm hoping that I don't have your experience. I'm let me, hoping let me that one more thing in. Sure, sure. And, and what I'll say is, this is also could be a big surprise too, because it really was a surprise to a lot of people. The version that I played, and funny that you mentioned it, I actually played the entire game through on the Stadia version. Oh wow! Okay. And it is known that the Stadia version is one of the most stable and pretty much problem-free platforms. And out of all the hours that I played it, I had no crashes. I had bugs, definitely, but I had zero crashes, and generally the game ran like butter most wow. of the time. So all my issues, any issue that I have with this game, honestly has zero to do with bugs. Zero. It's all gameplay. That's pretty interesting. And again, it's one of those things. Who would have thunk it that you you enjoyed it as much as you did? Well, you, you played it as long as you did on Stadia, which, of course, is the one, like you said, had the least uh, crashes. And that, <laughs> that's pretty surprising in itself. I'm going to say this. My um, I actually I'm going to go. For, I'm going to say my, my obviously talk about my biggest surprise. My biggest surprise is uh, I originally thought about it as just being as the consoles. We, we got, got folks, you got to remember this now. Okay, now, now we as gamers are very spoiled people. Th there's no doubt about it. We don't wait for anyone. And we feel like we, because we're consumers and we consume so much of it that we deserve it when we want it, right? So uh, one of the, the, the most amazing things for me and uh, the biggest surprises, folks, is that these consoles did not get delayed. 
I think that it is pretty amazing. Um, yes, sure. Did uh, Sony not make enough of them? Absolutely. Didn't uh, did both? Uh, I want to say both of them because obviously they both. We're still there are tons of people that don't have either of these consoles, um, and they're still looking for them. So it is to me as as someone who runs a podcast, but at the, at its core is just a gamer like everybody else. The fact that we got not one, not two, but three different consoles in the Series X, the Series S, and of course both PlayStation, uh, both the physical and the digital versions, we got new consoles during a pandemic. Like that is crazy. And what's even more impressive is uh, uh, Microsoft waiting as long as they did for the proper and full RDNA 2 uh, chipset. Uh, and uh, obviously they started producing these a lot later than the PlayStation 5, and they still were able to ship more. So again, it's one of those instances that makes you um, really smile if you, like I was very fortunate. I have both consoles. I think everybody here on the panel has both consoles, and that is in itself pretty epic during a pandemic for sure. But one other little bonus one I want to throw, and the biggest surprise for me, because that was like a mini surprise, because again, it's a surprise, but... For me, the biggest surprise is how absolutely amazing I think that the DualSense 5 is. I just think that Sony has outdone themselves in innovation. I know there's going to get some going to get some booze in the chat for that. Folks, I take nothing away from the perfect controller known as the Xbox Series X controller or even the Elite 2.0. But what Sony has done is innovated by using what we love about the Xbox controller and somehow making it slightly better with the haptic triggers and the touchpad and everything, even the rumble in the um, in the DualSense is impressive. So for me, on top of, the, you know, we got consoles, I am really, really uh, happily impressed and um, tremendously surprised on how really good the uh, DualSense uh, 5 controller actually is. Uh, but I do want to bring this back around to... Our Boom, big let me ask you a quick question. Sure. I know you said that about the controller, and I totally agree with you. At the same time, as well thought out as the controller is, ultimately, I, do, I love my PS5. I can't tell you how much I love this system, but... But I'm at a point, and I, and I know they'll work through these problems, but these are the kind of problems where I feel like they rushed. I'm afraid to turn it on half the time. I'm afraid to turn it on. Yeah. It's going to brick or do that. I, got a, I had a crash about two weeks ago, and honestly, I have barely turned it on since because I'm waiting for another update to come, which hasn't come yet. Like I'm literally crazy in the head that this system is going to die when I turn it on. Now that should have been worked out better, and the whole thing with the the hard drives, the externals—that's ridiculous. That's unacceptable. Yeah, no. Listen, you're 100 percent honest uh, when you say that. I have um, had one major crash where I got—I'm not going to front here. I got—I was playing Miles Morales out of nowhere. The system decided to shut down. I couldn't get it to start either by the controller or by the power button, uh, and I had to wait about 10 minutes. Uh, when it finally uh, was able to be powered back up, I got some sort of corruption. Uh, we have to rebuild your 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 console, kind of a message. 
I was able to play an hour later. I have not had a problem like you. I turned. I haven't. I, you know, because I usually play one one game at a time. So I've been knee deep in Immortals. So I started playing Miles Morales because I really want to finish the DLC. Game is gorgeous and it's a it's a great it's a great story. Um, and when I turned on my console, uh, over, uh, I think it was the middle of the week, I got a co another corruption error uh, regarding my saves. And I'm like, oh, here we go. I lost all my saves. And it turns out that, thank goodness, I had it, you know, because I have PlayStation Plus, I had it in the cloud. So it had to pull it from there in order for me to load my game. So, yeah, you're right. There, There is a, a bit of... Um, stress when playing the you know turning on your playstation 5 and that that's a that's a shame that we spent 500 dollars, and we have to worry about our system bricking from playing a game so yeah that that's definitely a concern for sure well, let me tell you 15 minutes in playing miles morales i just the system had like no games played on it when i first started playing miles morales 15 minutes in and fighting rhino system just shut off 15 minutes in. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. I, was I, had like, a, I had a bad assembler experience with that. I was like, but, yo. It's been fine since. Yeah, I'm like, at this point, I'm like, 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 Destroyer said, I'm like, I, I actually, after like an hour, because I had another problem, and even this morning, I turned it off for something else, and this was like, oh, we've had a problem. And I was like, yo, this, I'm, I'm like, not even touching it at this point. I'm, I'm like, you just stay over there. I got it. It's there. Whatever. And the shame of it is, this is an awesome system. It's a kick-ass system. I, I love using it. I love the games on it. I love everything about it. But to have some kind of a fear like that where I don't want to play it now because I feel like yeah. it's going to die because of some kind of a crash is, is, is crazy. But they'll work through it, and, and hopefully this is all firmware stuff. My biggest fear is that this is a hardware SSD issue. Yeah, and I pray to God it's not that, but let's just hope that you know it's all firmware updates and those will be coming. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully that is the case. Again, uh, I, I'm I'm hoping that it doesn't turn into a red ring of death situation for Sony. Mm. I think that there is a real reason why there's not an abundance of new PlayStation Fives available. I believe that uh, Bloomberg report from earlier in the year before the launch where they were reporting from an you know anonymous sort and again you got to remember it's coming from Bloomberg right this is not coming from you know uh, John and Joe's uh, tr video game trash heap this is coming from a legitimate place where they reported that one out of every two um SOCs were bad uh, that's a that's a that's a that's a serious uh, accusation, and if in fact is true, it could be why so many people are still, even to this day. And I keep and if again, if you're hip to social media, you keep seeing people post these unbelievable scenes on their screen by just playing, just by turning on their PlayStation Five. It's a real concern, and Sony has been very coy about answering it, and it's a shame. Uh, again, I, I, I'm imagining that could be someone's biggest disappointment but you know speaking of which let's get to uh jay the retro gamer for you what was your biggest disappointment regarding gaming in 2020 uh, my biggest disappointment was a game called watchdog watchdogs legion <laughs> okay and uh you know it was a game you know i'm a i'm a big fan as 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 you guys you three guys know of uh, most ubisoft games and Watch Dogs was no different. I was pretty hyped uh, and just excited after, you know, the delays of this game to finally get my hands on it. And 
uh, ordered the the top of the line version and was ready to go. And then I played like two hours of it and I absolutely did not connect with it at all. And now, let me ask you something retro. Is, is that because there's no main protagonist? Did you find yourself having a hard time, uh, you know, getting behind your character because technically it's it's it, it, you can just change to another character on the fly? I, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of people have said that that was one of the, the things that they loved the most about it. Uh, the fact that they were able to kind of weave that mechanic into the, the fabric of the story. And it just for me, that was part of it. Um, I think the gameplay to me wasn't as exciting as other, you know, as uh, as certainly as exciting as the first one. And I wasn't that big a fan of the second one either. Um, but that was certainly part of it. The fact that I never really got a chance to play with one character over, you know, a, an extended period of time and get to really kind of know that character. And you know what? That's I'm actually I'm I'm a little shocked to be honest with you uh, because we know how big of a Ubisoft fan you really are. Like myself, it's one of my favorite uh, developers for sure. Yeah. Um, and to hear uh, that you did not enjoy it two hours in that and, and and there's nothing there's nothing worse than spending 119 dollars and 99 cents on the ultimate edition to find out that you did not like the game yet. Yeah. Is there anything that you don't buy the ultimate edition of? Uh, not when it comes to to Ubisoft games. Yeah, right there, brother. I, I'm every, not, everyone. I'm actually asking Boomstick bucks. that. I'm actually asking Boomstick that. Oh no, I, I yeah, I dude, I've already purchased the uh, Far Cry Six Ultimate Package. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a surprise. Yeah, listen, dude, this year Ubisoft got me for close to four hundred bucks. I mean, if you think about it, uh, Immortals the Ultimate Edition was a hundred bucks, and each one of the uh, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Watch Dogs Legion were 120 plus tax. So you're talking about 300 and what? Uh, 350 something bucks? Yeah, dude. I, I listen. I, I that is my favorite developer to this day. I mean, Capcom is always going to be in the heart, but when it comes to their Ultimate Editions, I, I want it all, even if it's just a horse armor, because you, know, you know you're going to get that along with uh, you know the DLC that's going to be released. But I don't think I've ever not bought the ultimate edition of anything uh ubisoft going all the way back to like the 360 era i'm gonna go on the record and say that that is absolutely insane it is yeah and i don't mean that in a good way <laughs> i mean listen it is what it is I i'm a fan and yes i mean listen i don't have a lot of vices that's video games is one of them and and they're gonna definitely get my money uh, it, it, it makes me even more happy to think that with the rumor that the one of the very early rumors of 2021 was that the uh PC version of Ubisoft's uh service it's like EA Access or EA Play is coming to uh, <laughs> Xbox uh, ult uh Ultimate Xbox Game Pass which would be dope i hope that in fact is the case uh let me see uh, <laughs> uh Smitty Smith our good friend generous friend of the show he drops an outstanding five dollar super chat. In fact, the first one of the day, he says, Hey, boom, at 
We had Joe and John, <laughs> our reputable source of information. I love it. Smitty says, man, you're the best, brother. Thank you so much for the generosity. But more importantly, thank you for being here. Neil Menzel, let's go to you, brother. Um, and literally, I mean that, brother. What What was your biggest disappointment of 2020? Windbound was such a piece of shit. My God. Uh, I, I picked up that game. I thought it looked it was- so good, though. It looked really good. I thought it was going to be a Zelda-like experience, um, and it kind of had it. But you know, I really don't understand why. I only, you know, what I beat it because I bought it, and I, I, I was frustrated like half the time playing the game. Um, it, it was just such trash. It really was trash. I, it started out so well, um, but it wound up being a short game, and uh, I really wish I had never made that purchase. That really was I, – I had such high hopes for that game, and, yeah, it was trash. I was really mad. I wanted to, like, find the people that made it and, you know, hurt them. That's how mad I was. Well, I'll tell you this. You actually saved me the money because I had reached out to you, and I was like, hey, dude, did you see this game? looks like Zelda Breath of the Wild, and you're like, dude, don't do it. It yes. is nothing like it. It is a uh, survival-esque kind of a game, and I'm like, I would have hated it. I would definitely have, would have returned that for sure. Yeah, uh, like save me money. Even at the end of the game, like there was never a point where like you could be at the game and be okay. Like I get it. So listen, I love division. I love survival. But even in there, you had a point where you were like, "All right, I'm good now. I, I'm I'm at a good place." There was never that point in the game. It was just like I died in places. I was like, just just yeah. I was very angry with that game. That 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 was a bad one. Okay, I mean, listen, unfortunately, it's still we're still in the age where even though a game looks good, sounds good, it sometimes tastes terrible. And that, in fact, is the case for you with that particular game. And uh, yeah, listen, thankfully, you you don't have that experience often, but it sucks definitely when it happens for sure. Uh, Jay the Destroyer, for you, what was the biggest disappointment of 2020? Well, it wraps around to what my biggest surprise was. So the bit most disappointing is Cyberpunk and uh, how long that was in development and what it turned out to be. And again, this has, to, for me, it, thank God it had nothing to do with bugs or anything like that. I saw very, very few bugs here and there. And if I did, they were minimal. They, they, they weren't game-breaking or anything like that. I just thought that when this game was on the way, I was telling Retro, I was saying like, before the new systems came out, I was just looking at Cyberpunk as that it was going to be the shining beacon of, even though it was really last generation, it was going to lead us into the next generation. Somehow, I put a lot of weight on it, and I know it may it was probably you know unrealistic, but for what that game turned out to be on so many levels, that that is my biggest, most disappointing game of the year. And you know what? That's you're not alone in that camp. There are a lot of people that absolutely consider it their game of the generation. There are people best game they've ever played, uh, best worst game they've ever played, or some people like yourself absolutely loathe it. I, no, no, no. Please keep in mind, I do not hate this game. It's more of a disappointing disappointment, like a really heavy disappointment. But I don't hate it. They're, okay. they're, no, I don't hate it at all. There are very good things about it. The world is great. You know, uh, obviously the graphics 
if they worked correctly, were amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. If someone wasn't floating in the air or, you know, guns weren't like walking around on their own, it was an amazing game in that sense. But no, I don't hate it at all. But it's just just really disappointing. Well, that's, that's interesting. And I, again, I'm going to come at this uh, particular uh, uh, question from a different perspective. Um, for me, uh, it wasn't a game. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm bringing this back around and putting the spotlight on the PlayStation division. Uh, for me, one of the biggest disappointments was their lack of consistency and focus with their messaging, uh, something that we know and we have seen in uh prior and previous years to be spot on perfect like one 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 of the things that i look back at the last generation uh that i that just again as as a as a podcaster and a producer of his own content you look back and you're always you know you're always up against other podcasting uh you know uh content creators because you know it, there's a lot going on on youtube so you're always you know jockeying to be seen right that's what we do here uh but when you talk about gaming and you talk about sony's marketing and messaging they, their marketing this last generation was nothing nothing short of perfection in motion um every time they wanted to get a leg up on uh, Xbox for whether it be a dis something that happened that was disappointing or they failed to deliver on something. They had they showed tenacity, unlike anyone we've ever seen. And my disappointment with them is more specifically focused on Jim Dancing Shoes Ryan. Yeah. Um, Jim, who is, uh, is a fantastic businessman, and, and, and obviously what he did in Europe while he was the head of Sony there, uh, is there's, there's no doubt that uh, there's a reason why there were uh, five-to-one sales, uh, PS4s versus Xbox Ones in the UK, it's because he, he's a fantastic businessman, but he's also a bit of a liar. And when he went out there and he told the the the, uh, the gamers of PlayStation that generations mattered, and that uh, games that were releasing on the PlayStation Five would only be on the PlayStation Five, he was using what I like to consider gaming terror tactics, and he unfortunately uh, shot himself in the foot. Perfect example of that is Spider-Man Miles Morales. Now that game was originally talked up on as being a PlayStation 5 exclusive. As a matter of fact, uh, to add to the blame is Insomniac Games, one of my favorite developers. Uh, they, uh, If I recall the, the statement correctly, they said that Spider-Man Miles Morales was built from the ground up with the PlayStation 5 in mind. And that is why it was exclusive. And they had to, both of them had to walk back that when it released on the PlayStation 4. And because... He pissed off so many people because there was such a mismessaging with so-called quote-unquote generations. They only sold over 600,000 units, and that's pretty piss-poor piss considering of how many they sold with Spider-Man 2018, which has surpassed 20-plus million. In fact, it's the biggest-selling PlayStation title during that era for the PlayStation 4. So, again, it's for me... Knowing how good they have done with marketing and messaging over the course of 2013 to about 2019, it's what they did in 2020 that was very poor. And uh, I, again, I, I think they're, I, I don't know how it's going to hurt them in the future. I mean, I think they're unfortunately 
uh, they're going to see some uh, some dips in sales. And again, uh, going back to Spider-Man Miles Morales at 600,000 uh, uh, on both consoles is a perfect example of that mis-messaging. Uh, but I do want to get into, um, you know, uh, the one, one of the bigger topics of the day, and that is uh, talking about the indie um, uh, scene. Now, the now the indie scene, we, we went into specific, real good detail yesterday on Breakfast with Boom, and we were fortunate enough to have the indie gamer, who is uh, someone that I not only respect tremendously, uh, but it's someone that if you're not following and paying attention to his YouTube channel, shame on you. You should immediately get over there and follow that and sub that dude because he is um, someone that represents the indie scene uh, in a way that no one, not even in the uh, mainstream media, represent that portion of gaming. And I, and I wanted to do this was a kind of a, a, a last mi- last minute addition. You know, when when we when uh, Jada Retro Gamer writes up the topics because as he he's one that formats the show. Uh, this was one of the ones that I kind of threw in there because I think the indie scene. This is very. This is such a very different conversation than five years ago. Like, and again, we mentioned it yesterday. You know, I think that Microsoft's Xbox or or some of Arcade doesn't get enough credit for really pulling the curtain back on the indie scene. And it's when that happened, indies became a part of the conversation. And I thought that it would be a great addition for today. And uh, I want to bring that up. So, you know, for for Jay the Retro Gamer, what what is your top indie pick of 2020? Would be, I guess, your game of the year uh, 2020 with potentially some um, honorable mentions. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm going to have the one, uh, favorite indie game of the year. And, uh, much like it was my biggest surprise, uh, Hades is, uh, was my indie game. And, you know, like I loved Bastion, uh, when it came out on the 360 and been following Supergiant ever since. So that's what kind of led me to give it a shot, even though I'm like, like I said, I'm usually not a fan of it, but I was so impressed with the way it combined great storytelling and how it handled the unique take on the progression mechanic that is a problem in a lot of roguelike games. Uh, not to mention that the combat is fast and frantic. Look, I may not have a doctrine in gaming, but I do know that it's a game that proves that you don't need a team of hundreds to craft a AAA quality game. That's that's a great point. And again, it's it, it's 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 been getting so much hype even over the last couple of days. But I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick it up uh, because uh, I I have it downloaded and I almost feel like it, it it should be on my list somewhere. But because I didn't play it, I could not add it just based on word of mouth and videos that I saw. So I, I'm definitely gonna have to definitely start playing that. Um, and I'd probably like to start that today, even after the show, because I've heard so much about it. And one of the things that we know about you in the course of the couple of years we're doing this is that you do have a, an affinity for games like Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Ori and the, you know, obviously the Blind Forest, uh, two of your favorite games for sure. And it's pretty, it's pretty great to hear you giving such high praise to Hades, which again, that team is, is tiny. If you, you know, even for uh, indie, uh, it's tiny. So it, to hear high praises like that gets me even more excited to play it. Folks, we have over. Yeah, who's I, will, I will just say one last thing. I don't consider in my and maybe it is, but I've never considered either Ori games to be indie. 
So. You know, I, I agree with you. It, they certainly do not have the production value that you would expect from an indie developer, but I still I, I would still consider uh, that studio, a moon studio uh, to be a, to be an indie studio. Uh, I'm hoping that they are one of the uh, the new additions to Xbox Game Studios in 2021. We'll see if that happens. But uh, uh, they're, they're an interesting, they're, they're a conundrum for sure because they're not your average studio. The way that they design their games is no one is ever together. They're designing it across the world, which is pretty interesting on how they do that. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, again, it's it, 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 you, you, because of how monster in size those games are and how gorgeous they are to look, you would never suggest that that's an indie studio, but I, I, I definitely would put them in the category of an indie for sure. But uh, Neo Mental, for you, we know you like playing the big AAA games, for sure. We all do. But what what stood out as your indie game of the year 2020? Uh, for me, it was um, Call of the Sea. I mean, you know I'm absolutely uh, enamored with point-and-click games. Um, and, uh, you know, th- there hasn't been a lot really out that's been, uh, been pretty good. I don't care about the graphics. I, you know, I don't care about all of that shenanigans. As long as the game is good and it's smooth, um, I'm here for it. I love the story. So, um, you know, I, I, I had, it came out, and I, I knew nothing about it. I was like, holy crap. So I, I started playing it, and it actually made my top ten list. So I loved it. Well, that's pretty interesting. Again, that's a game that was in Game Pass. Pretty much came out of nowhere. We we saw it, though, uh, in, uh, I believe it might have been, even. It was, I'm not sure if it was the May show or the July show that uh, they, they previewed it. Uh, but, you know, it was an important game for Microsoft, for Xbox, because it was in their biggest shows of the year. And, to, and that's another game that, unfortunately, is on the pile of shame when you talk about our backlogs and i've heard nothing but good things another game i would like to play but unfortunately this this year was rampant with uh, open world games and man uh i i love them and hate them at the same time because they do take over your life for sure but jay the destroyer for you do you have a game of the year for an indie but more importantly do you have any other uh, titles you like to be honorably mentioned uh, I'm going to make this nice and easy. I have one just like retro, and it's the same game. It's Hades. I don't usually like those type of games. This one was from the get-go was awesome, and the uh, the art direction was absolutely stellar. Uh, I couldn't say enough good things about it. It is It's totally killer. Yeah, I mean, listen, again, it's I've seen tons and tons of videos to get myself acclimated with the conversation and it looks absolutely amazing. Like I bought it just just based on its initial uh, you know, uh, talk about from the community. I bought it. I figured, well, you know, it's uh I would you say retro it's gi- giant games that made that? Super uh, giant games. Super giant games. Super giant games is notorious for bringing out good content. So you know, I wound up catching it on sale. You don't really get a lot of sales on Nintendo. So when it's on sale, you definitely got to jump on that. But for me, I'm actually going to bring up a couple of the uh, honorable mentions first and then give my game of the year for the indie scene. Uh, wh- the Messenger 
is a game that I think a lot of people overlooked. If you are an old school Ninja Gaiden fan, uh, this is definitely something that you should uh, give a try. I believe it's still in Xbox Game Pass. Uh, it is absolutely incredible. Another game that was uh, that really, really took the gaming scene by storm is Carry On. Uh, that is a game that is played from the monster's perspective, and it's definitely, uh, t t you know, takes up the mantle of a Metrovania. Uh, if you have not played that game, it is definitely, you definitely get alien-esque vibes, but it is, it's a stellar game. It's funny, it's fun to watch in motion because of the carnage that is going on. Definitely something you should, uh, um, Give a sh give a shot if you are a fan. And again, another Xbox Game Pass title, uh, Streets of Rage Four. Uh, that game is absolutely astounding. Streets and of Rage Four was amazing. Boom, that yes. was um, unbelievable. Yeah, and you know what? This this was, folks. If you don't know the story behind this, this this comes from a team that did it as a fan game and got permission from Sega to. Uh, carry on the Streets of Rage name. And, and that's a big deal, folks. Uh, this was a passion project turned into an actual development house. And I am hoping that this is not the end of the side-scroller beat-em-ups. I hope that we see a, res uh, a, res re you know, a return to greatness. Because for me, in the arcade days, and, and, and get, get, you know, just taking you guys back on a, uh, you know, a bit of a history with us, one of the things that we used to do uh, is on Central Avenue, if you're familiar with the area, Funko Land was right across the street from Nathan's. Now, Nathan's, most people think, oh, I think hot dogs and, and french fries, right? Well, Nathan's doubled as, uh, you know, the regular hot dog and hamburger place, but it, inside it had an arcade that, held, that housed 200 arcade cabinets. It was massive. So we used to do that almost every Friday night. And uh, side-scrolling beat-em-ups is something that we played like crazy. Besides fighting games, the, the side-scroll beat-em-ups is something for me that holds uh, a, a great deal of excitement and passion. I'm hoping there's a renaissance of it in 2021. And the last one I'll add to the list is, uh, and it's in my top 10, Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout. My God, something so simple is just addictive fun. Um, and uh, any one of these games could have been game of the uh, game of the year for the indie scene for me. But the game that I am giving that to, um, and it's it, uh, you know some people might say, well, you reviewed it, boom, so maybe there's a bias. But no, it's because of the story, or should I say, the epic tale that was told. Uh, I thought it was done the so well. The artwork was just breathtaking, and that for me, my indie game of the year 2020 is Raji, an ancient epic. Uh, that is a game that I loved from start to finish. Um, I got every achievement. I didn't get credit for one of the achievements, so I don't have 1,000 out of 1,000. But I did complete everything in that game, and it was an absolute, uh, like it said. Uh, ancient epic in every sense of the word. I absolutely loved that game. Um, but before we move on to the next topic, and this is going to be the big one, folks. This is a, this is our game of the year, and we're going to break that down from 10 to 1, and we're each going to give our number 10, then number 9, and so on and so forth. Does anybody want to add any indie titles that you might have heard me talk about that you got a chance to play, or, or we can move on? Is Do you guys consider Visage 
Uh, that's an indie. That's an indie studio. Absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent. Yes. Dude, that game was awesome. That game was awesome. Again, in the in, in the pile of shame. Graphics were on point. Super scary. It was really interesting, like story, like where it goes. Killer. And yeah. uh, and Jay, did you play? Did you tell me? Did you enjoy that? Uh, was that Stories Untold? Was that? Oh, that was a really small game, but that was really fun. That was an $8 game that came out, uh, what, two, three months ago? Uh, Stories Untold, I think it was called. Dude, I don't even remember the name that much anymore. That was a really interesting point-and-click. Neo, you like those point-and-click games. Did you check this one out? I did not. That's Oh, it. my God. You got to check it out. It, uh, some of the it, – it, it was really amazing for what it was. Was it's eight but eight bucks, huh? All right, well, that's definitely gonna get moved to the top, yeah. No, definitely. Uh, yeah, send them the message because that sounds interesting. I, I, I like them from a distance, I don't like them to play. I, I just, I just th that that's where we separated as kids. He always liked that, and I always like the Resident Evil stuff. So, <laughs> uh, real quick, before we move on to one of the main topics of the show, uh, Stephen Clark. Good friend of the show, he drops an outstanding $5 super chat and says, my biggest disappointment of 2020 is cyberpunk. Forget the bugs. It came across like a bad GTA played in first person, so I, I am so over the hype. Yeah, you do. You're not the only one for sure. A lot of people walked away, uh, and they put in for returns. If they bought it digitally or even if they bought it physically, I don't know. There were a lot of returns, but what's insane is even with the returns, they sold over 13 million copies. That's pretty incredible. Um, but uh, yeah, again, more, more. There is. What was that? They're gonna love my top ten. Oh yeah. Well, listen. That's everyone's. That that's the one. The wonderful thing about these shows is that they're all opinions, and you are entitled to yours. But let's start with uh, our uh, top ten of 2020, and we're gonna start with number ten. Jay, the retro gamer. We'll go to you first. What is your number ten pick? for game of the year 2020 uh i'm just gonna keep this one short and sweet number 10 hades okay so that's good yeah that's that's the final word i'll say about it it made the top 10 all right and then not, certainly nothing wrong with that neo mental let's go to you what is your number 10 pick oddly enough top 10 was animal crossing holy um, cow okay good yeah listen sometimes you just want to be you know you have a crap day Wants some mindless just relaxation or whatever. I mean, you know, it's Nintendo. I've never played the game before, but you know, I had a couple people like, Yeah, you should play this, whatever. I'm like, All right, I mean, you know, it's Animal Crossing, but you know, I mean, it's like Tamagotchi or all that other, you know, shenanigans. So it was a pretty good game. I played it for like a couple of months, and I mean, I haven't touched it since, but I mean, I think it was a really good game. I think it was really good on the Switch, and it was like a ton of people playing it. Um, it's weird because I start talking to people that I had no idea were playing this game. Like, oh my god, did you get this blue flower or this? I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> it, was, it was shocking. It was shocking. So yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. It was good for what it was. Um, you know, it's so well too. So I mean, yeah, it was a good game. Well, yeah, Nintendo's. Uh, I mean, they they're just something about Nintendo that just. I mean, I bought the game. Actually, I didn't buy the game. I had a, a, a fan of the show actually gift me the game. Uh, which is pretty incredible. I have not put a lot of time into it. it I, I tried. I, I definitely tried. It's just 
not my bag, but I definitely have to learn it because my nephew Tyler is obsessed with it. And he's asking me about my island and about <laughs> flowers and apples and things. And I, I have to learn a little bit about this so I can get, have the conversation with him because he loves it. And so do a lot of people uh, that has, I tell you right now, that game came out at the perfect time. It literally, I don't think my, I don't think Nintendo meant it to come out when it did to take advantage of the pandemic. I think it came out because that was what when it was scheduled to release, and it just so happened to be a pandemic, and that is why you couldn't find a Nintendo Switch outside, you know, on regular channels where you'd seen them as high as three, four, five, six, seven hundred dollars, and uh, that was one of the games that people were playing like lunatics because it really did give you an opportunity to kind of pull yourself out of this world and put yourself into the Animal Crossing world, and that's the magic of Nintendo for sure, but. Uh, Jay the Destroyer, what is your number 10 pick? Uh, every year I usually have like one smaller game that makes the list. So this is mine for this year. And it's a game called Pacer. Has anybody played it or heard of it? Probably, right? Okay. Pacer is a love letter to wipe out. There's lots of games that have come out in the last 25 years that dance the line of sort of like, you know, homage, ripoff. This game is truly a love letter to Wipeout. They've admitted it that you know they're the biggest fans of Wipeout. It is amazing. Uh, it's by a, a small studio in England called R8 Games, and they completely hit it out of the park on this one. And if you love Wipeout, Excel, Wipeout Omega Collection, like all the stuff in that, just do yourself a favor uh pacer it's uh i played it on the ps4 ps5 uh you know uh downloading it on the ps5 with the uh back back and pat it even runs even better uh you will love it love yeah. it you know it's funny you told me about that game i have it on my list to buy because you said you because i you and i both love wipeout uh, and that's a game that I'm definitely going to have to uh, pick up. I did not, I didn't know there was a PlayStation Five version, which is pretty cool. It's not a PlayStation Five version, just, just the back compat of the PS4 version. It runs even better than the PS4 version, which already runs great in the first place. Nice, nice. That's a strong pick uh, for me. Uh, this one should have been uh, this one, and it's funny because originally when it was released, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is my game of the year" because of my uh, uh, affection for the series. Uh, I'm not a big Final Fantasy dude, uh, but Final Fantasy VII is a, a title that reigns uh, true with me. I mean, I, I, you've heard me talk about this before. Neil Mental brought it up. I think even last year on the show, I originally beat the Final Fantasy VII in Japanese using FAQs. Um, and you guys did that. It's, 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 it's still crazy. I don't know if I could do that today. That's the funny thing we did it. Um, and, uh, that we, I had bought it when it first came out. I was a big importer back in the days. And that's one of the games I beat, uh, in Japanese. And I, then I beat it again when it came out in English. Um, and of course, one of my favorite, uh, supers, uh, what I call it is Knights of the round, uh, still absolutely incredible, um, super even back then. So for me, it's Final Fantasy VII Remake. It probably should have been higher in the list, but there was just so many games to be released that unfortunately it's just my number 10. But, uh, you know, listen, it is what it is. Great. If you haven't picked it up, and I know people are waiting for the Xbox version that should be out this 
April, uh, I will probably finish that because I haven't finished it yet on the PlayStation 4. I probably will uh, attempt to finish it this year and then replay it again on the Xbox when it releases. But let's get to number nine. Jay the Retro Gamer, what is your number nine pick? My number nine pick is Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Remastered. Holy cow. Okay. That was a great one. Yeah, while, while I absolutely, you know, like I, I enjoy op- the open world racing games of today, like Forza Horizon. But when it comes to, you know, racing games, I much prefer the simplicity of arcade style racers of generations past. And this game is a shiny example of that. Look, it's not much of a remaster for sure. But as the saying goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. (laughs) Maybe it's the, you know, like it's the cops versus racer battles. Maybe it's the gadgets you get to use. Maybe it's the, you know, I just need one more chance to beat my friend's time on this track. Um, That kept me coming back, but it did. And now I'm just hoping that at some point uh, we can get a proper Ridge Racer or Burnout sequel. Are we all in agreement on that? 100%. Yes. Yes. Right, so that's my number nine. Well, you know what? Just adding to that number nine, uh, talking about remasters, um, most wanted for me is still, and that was an Xbox 360 launch title. I yeah. wish they would remaster that. That's the one I would. That's the one I would go for more than any other. I agree with you. There. Yeah, that 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 one needs to be done again. We, we're seeing that EA is doing a lot of the remaster stuff, so maybe that's a one that will get a lot of uh, you know uh, call for remake from the. Uh, <laughs> You know, from the community, that is something I would want to see done. Uh, I, I, ha- I have it, again, uh, so many in my backlog. That's another one that I enjoyed when it came out originally. I have, because uh, EA, it's in EA um, Play. So if you don't, if you have EA, if you have uh, Xbox Game Pass, it's there for you to download and give it a shot. Uh, Neo Mental, what is your number nine pick? Uh, number nine was Call of the Sea. I mean, like I said before, uh, I love that genre. This had a, a really, you know, it had like almost like an Indiana Jones vibe, you know. Uh, and I think I started playing it. I, I just love from the get go. I mean, it was very vibrant colors. Um, it's just a really good game. Man. I mean, like you said, it was in Game Pass. Um, so, I mean, you, you can't knock that. But it was definitely a really good adventure. Um, I loved it. You know, I want more like that. Well, I mean, listen, those have always been your type of game. Uh, game looks very gorgeous to the uh, and very appealing to the eye. Uh, definitely get the uh, Sea of Thieves kind of a feel to it, for sure. Uh, again, a game I, I have to give a shot to. I don't know how how long I'm going to play it, but it's certainly... Yeah. How long is it? <laughs> I mean, I didn't finish it, but you don't have the patience for that game. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> well, there you go, folks. There you go. Right, where's it going? Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, yep. That's me in it. That's me in a nutshell. That's why I love open world action games because it's all always you're always doing something, and maybe maybe it's an undiagnosed ADD situation. I don't know. Listen, you're not gonna be able to knock some out with a rocker off the bat. You can't kill someone <laughs> as soon as you see them. You, you gotta figure stuff out, you know what I'm saying? You gotta actually use your brain. Well, I have my brain. I do use it quite often. There, I mean, a perfect example is Immortals Phoenix Rising. Some of those puzzles were a bit of a head scratcher, but I did beat that game and I had to get 1,000 out of 1,000 achievements in that. Um, but let's get to uh, the Joe, uh, Jay the Destroyer. What is your uh, number nine pick? 
Uh, my number nine, I didn't plan this, but I had, I had obviously with Pacer, two racers back-to-back. Number nine is Dirt 5. <sighs> That's a good pick. Specifically on the Series X with all its bells and whistles, it, uh, it's incredible. I love it. I, it really takes me back. It, they, this version for some – Dirt 5 for some reason hits me more arcade-like for whatever reason than the other Dirts. And that's my uh, bread and butter, old school arcade racers. Not that it's completely like that. It just feels, the control feels a little more in that kind of space. But uh, that's my number nine, Dirt 5. Yeah, I mean, that's a strong pick. I actually quite enjoyed Dirt 5. Uh, I really did for that ex- exact reason. It was more arcadey. Uh, it, ha- it did de- definitely have a-, a Sega rally feel to it, which I know that you are a huge, huge fan of. Yes, and, and it did have that feel. It did yeah. have a, like, yeah, a I, little I, more type simulation. Yes. Not, you know, dirt, but with, mixed in with uh, Sega Rally. Yep. Yeah. You know what I loved about the game is the cars were so big on the screen. Like, they really took up so much uh, room on your screen. You, you felt like you were sitting behind uh, a, a cabinet in the arcade. Again, that's a lot, lot, lot of our love for, for some of these games and the way that they're um, produced is because of our love and, uh, of the actual arcade scene where we spent a lot of time in our youth. Uh, for me, uh, the number nine pick, and this is going to be surprising for some people because you're wondering what, my, what, what the other eight are. Doom Eternal. Uh, is my number nine pick. Uh, I did not finish it. I didn't finish it. I put a significant amount of time into the game. I got towards the end, and I don't remember what pulled me away from the game, but I do have to finish that this year. And, of course, the DLC that released last last year, The New Gods. Um, But I loved everything about it. It took what we... Uh, knew and loved about um, Doom 2016 and really turned it up to 100, if that was even possible. The soundtrack was amazing. The gameplay was as butter smooth as always. And even though it was very similar to uh, 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 Doom 2016, they found a way to make it even more interesting. And uh, being able to you know traverse the ship that you're on and a lot of collectibles to get made this game uh, a very, very strong follow-up to uh, probably one of the best Doom games ever released. I'd say that this e- either moves to it uh, shoulder-to-shoulder, potentially even edges out Doom 2016. But let's get back to uh, Jay, the Retro Gamer. What is your number eight pick? My number eight pick is uh, PGA 2K21. Look, I know it's a golf game in my top ten. So you know what? You know what? I'm going to tell you that uh, I'm not into golf games, but I did pick that up on the ultra, ultra cheap back in the day, and I mean back in the day, like Sega Genesis days. I could have. I was a big. You know what? What was it back then? It was what Arnold Palmer. The Arnold Palmer for Genesis and yeah, yeah, yeah. what was after that. Yeah. I used to love, and I got to say, this PGA, the what is it? It's 2K21, right? Correct. It is incredible, dude. You're completely on point about this. I, 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 won't, bore, I won't bore everyone to tears. It's golf. It's fun. It's well-made. It relaxes me to play it. That's it. 
Well, considering that the 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 stress levels of everyone in 2020 were yeah. through the roof, and for good reason, that's good to know. I mean, I'm and, not a big and played it on Google Stadia as well. So I will uh, echo uh, Jay uh, Jay the Destroyer's comments on it. Just you know, people really kind of need to give that a shot because I you know just like most everyone else is jumping on the streaming bandwagon. If you know if you're lucky enough to have a good internet connection at home, I mean it's 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 certainly a viable alternative. Nice. Well, that's, I mean that's, that's and that's great to know that again Stadia. Who would have thunk it? You guys are enjoying big games. On, yep. a, on the system that could that no one really no one really talks about. In fact, Google doesn't even talk about it for that yeah. matter. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but let's get to uh, Neo Mental. What is your number eight pick for 2020? Uh, number eight, uh, Apple Arcade was uh, Beyond the Steel Sky. Um, this is from Revolution Game, uh, Software. They also made Broken Sword, which is another point-and-click franchise that I love. Um and this is actually a sequel to uh, to uh, beneath, well, not uh, beneath. Yeah, the, they go beneath the steel sky. Yeah, which I never played. I never even heard of it. I mean, it's it like a nineties, like a nineties game. Yeah, it, it's uh, the sequel is. I mean, it's like which is weird because it's like a cyberpunk slash um, Bioshock. It was. I was shocked. And with the Apple Arcade, you can um, I can hook my Elite to it, so it's a control only game. Um, and as you're playing it, well, I've been playing it on the TV, and it actually is cloud safe, so I can play it on my phone. Um, and I was just really kind of blown away by this the fact that this is on like, I mean, when you look at the Apple TV, the thing is like a small, you know, four by two brick, you know, and it's not a streaming game, it's it's set off the chip, and you're playing it on your phone, you're playing it on your phone, so um. You know, the graphics, they're like a, in the Bioshock vein, almost like a little Call of the ish um, But it was a full-on game, and, you know, I, I got halfway through it. I've been loving it. Um, I actually went back and bought the other one for $2.99, and uh, I'm going to play that. And, uh, I mean, the story, the characters were really, were really crazy. I, it was a really get, a good game. I was shocked. I was really shocked. Well, I mean, that's good. Again, it's it just... It's pretty amazing that, you know, where gaming comes from. Like, if, if, if think about this for a second. You know, my, my pick is, is going to be a little shocking as well, but it's not on a, on, a, on a standard home console. Any of your picks, right? Google Stadia for two of you, and now Apple Arcade. Go, go figure. And I think that as we move forward with the streaming wars really, really ramping up, and I think 2021 is going to be... The, the where we see it really move 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 the needle um we we could have more of these conversations next year where we're pulling games in our top 10s from everywhere outside of the three main consoles that's that's pretty damn interesting yeah 100%. Um, yeah absolutely um and uh for um uh jay the destroyer what is your number eight pick for 2020 streets of rage four there you go. There's really nothing more to say about it. I think it's the rebirth of uh, that that type of fight, the um, beat 'em ups. I mean, I don't think I could have asked for anything better. And honestly, before it came out, like, did you really expect it to be as good as it turned out to be? No, I did not. Not at all. Not at all. And it's like a hundred times better than I ever expected it to be. 
Yeah. And, and, and again, this this was a love letter from a bunch of fans who got together, made themselves a developer, and got permission from Sega to finish this game. That that again, that, that you know, when it comes to um internet intellectual properties, IPs, a lot of, of these big companies uh, are very protective of their um of their IPs in a way where uh you know letters are sent out for immediately cease and desist, you know, kind of uh cease and desist uh on making a game or making a short for a film. Uh we've seen LucasArts uh do that uh numerous times with uh Star Wars fan-made stuff, right? So to have this team of die-hard Streets of Rage fan put this together, then go to Sega and get the blessing to finish it off it's 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 pretty epic uh and and, and it's impressive uh just to, just to have a conversation so love, yeah yeah no i just why i wanted to also just tell a quick 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 story that uh that jay the destroyer and i managed to uh hook up online and play uh have a game session with that and can i tell you when we there was one boss and 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 he knows this as well as i do that after we beat it i had never heard him more excited to beat a boss <laughs> in my life, he was giddy like a schoolgirl. That nothing wrong with that, dude. Again, yeah. it's it, it's 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 the magic of gaming, and I and I love hearing stories like that. I mean, obviously, if there's a boss that just keeps kicking your ass, and you got to bring a buddy in, the fact that you can do that is a big deal, and uh, that's a great pick uh, for me. My number eight pick, uh, and this came out of completely nowhere. You know. When you talk about modern day consoles, uh, the the pack in game is a thing of the past. We 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 saw that come to an end after like the Dreamcast slash PlayStation slash N sixty four days. Like pack in games were the norm. Uh, if you look back to uh, the uh, a, a Super NES, you know you had, you had uh, you know Super Mario World. Uh, if you look back to any of uh, you know, the other older systems, uh, you know, Genesis Altered Beast was a packing game. Though yeah. that that scenario is uh, yeah, Tur Turbo Graphic 16. Um, oh my Keep god, in courage in Alpha World. Yes, that is Keep right, dude. The Jaguar that. had Cybermorph. <laughs> yeah, Jaguar had Cybermorph. Listen, the Jaguar is a console that. Listen, I have a story. I told. I told. I think I might have told this last year. Aliens vs Predator, man, that is <laughs> one of my favorite games of all time, and that was on the Jaguar. I never forget that. But yeah, packing games don't happen often, and when they do, uh, there's a good chance that it's going to be a throwaway title just to say they packed in the game. Well, for me, my number eight pick comes at my first platinum on the PlayStation five. And that is Astrobot's playroom. And I have to say, um, it is, it is an incredible piece of software. And I applaud the team that put that up because again, it could have been a simple 10 minute demo showing you what the what what the controller can do and it literally because I'm a big platformer kind of a guy I talk about this all the time it's why I give Microsoft so much shit when it comes to the fact that they have not confirmed and really dug their heels in the sand for a banjo kazooie revival whether that be a remake an HD remake we've seen Sony do that with so many of their titles I don't know what they're waiting for uh same thing with Conquer 
Uh, it's a game that uh, a lot of people would love to see a remake, and I just don't know why they don't um, reach out to uh, the playful uh, team or the team that brought us ukulele. You know, g get them involved and let them go crazy with these IPs. But Sony um, really surprised me with Astrobot's Playroom because besides being an introduction to the DualSense 5, it was actually a love letter to PlayStation. Like you can actually see all of the devices over the course of the PlayStation's history in one area, almost like a museum. And again, maybe that's not your bag. Maybe you could give a flying shit. That's okay. I hear you. But for me, it was so much fun. Uh, I found it. I found uh, it to be worthy of me hunkering down and getting the platinum. I did that. It's my first platinum on the PlayStation Five, and I'm not sorry that I did it. Uh, so let's uh, let's move on to number seven now. Before we get to that, what we're going to do is once we get past um, number six, the last five of the of the list, we're gonna we're gonna shoe shoehorn in the honorable mentions. Um, from each of the panel members, and then we're going to get to our top five of 2020, going, of course, to our game of the year. Uh, but for number seven, uh, Jay the Retro Gamer, what, what rings your number seven bell? Uh, my number seven uh, game, uh, I think, I promise, we're going to get to the heavy hitters in a little bit, but there's one last smaller title that I wanted to kind of include here. And that was a game called Tetris Effect Connected. Oh, great. I know. The, the, Fantastic the original, game, dude. The original version of the game was an honorable venture for me last year. So I get it. I'm, I'm sort of double dipping on this one. But this version's even better this time around. Look, it's the best looking, best sounding, best playing version of Tetris ever. There were few experiences better that I had this year gaming than playing with the lights out, listening to the great soundtrack of this game with the headphones on and getting my Tetris fix on. It's a game I'm sure that I'll pick up every once in a while for years to come. Everyone I've heard has played that game and said that. And I, you know, I, I haven't, you know, I've been playing so much cyberpunk. I just missed it. Um, and I'm actually really upset because every time I hear someone talking about it, they've just like, this was such an amazing pick. You know, I think that game should have got a lot more shine than it did. Hey, anyone who has Game Pass. It did you know, nothing for me. Anyway, you, really? just, you, have to, you have to like the game, you know. It's a Tetris. Begin. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's Tetris. But, I, you know. It, it's, it's, it's done so well. You honestly have no reason to not at least try it out. I agree, one hundred percent. Yeah, it, it, again, it, it, yeah, sure. It's Tetris, but it does things with the visuals and the music. That again, it, it's it's sure. It's just Tetris, but it's Tetris done in a way that's both pleasing visually and and, and as you listen to the soundtrack, is incredible. It, it really, yeah. really is. And like I said, it's in Xbox Game Pass. It is enhanced on your Series X and S. And it is stunning to look at. And again, it's 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 one of those games that if you're having a tough day and you just want to throw away, you know, 20, 30, 40, 60 minutes, you, you can find solace in a game as simplistic as Tetris done in a really, really new way. 
That's that's a strong pick. Strong pick. So let's get to Neo Mental. Neo Mental, what is your number seven of 2020? Uh, number seven is Gears Tactics. Um, you know, my other love would be the, uh, you know, RTS. Um, you know, I played it on the PC. I, you know, I got to update my, my rig. Um, so I didn't get too far with there. And when it came on the X, I've been playing it there. Um, loved it. I thought it was a, a strong offering into that realm. You know, I thought it was really good. And uh, I definitely want to see more games in that, in that, in that realm. You know, I thought it was, uh, it was really good. That's a strong pick. Again, it's it's, it's really gaming is, is 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 so personal. It's what you enjoy, where you find you can just sink hours upon hours in, and someone else sitting next to you might not find the same excitement. But that is what is the great thing about gaming. That is what's a great thing about having these shows where we kind of give picks that we might because again we don't we don't cross examine each other's lists this is we're hearing this for the first time just like you guys and gals are so uh before we move on to the rest if listen folks if you're here we have over 100 people here please hit that like button certainly didn't expect that we were going to get a thousand people in the chat but again if if you are enjoying it we would definitely like that you would share this on social media get a couple more folks in here and hopefully we can get more people to check this out because again this is a passion project of us uh, you know that we do every year and we thought it would be really cool to share with the community at large and uh let's continue of course uh neo mental what is your number seven pick for 2020 um you feeling all right over there buddy why did, did i get you ready <laughs> oh yeah i did i'm sorry yeah I'm, I'm reading the chat and doing stuff okay so i did get you so I, I apologize for that jay the retro you got yours already yeah, um, it's it's up to me with the number seven. Uh, yeah. This is no surprise. It ends up on my list every year, and every year it ends up being my most played game of the year, MLB The Show 2020. Dude, listen, you love baseball. Nothing wrong with that. Um, you can't get a baseball game better than this, and every year they keep topping themselves. There's nothing really to say about it. It's just great, and it's a, a total time waster. So – there you go. Well, I mean, again, it's uh, it's it's baseball simulation. Uh, uh, it, thankfully, we know that that's coming to Xbox. I think it might be this year, which is pretty interesting. I, I want to see how that's going to sell. Uh, baseball uh, is a niche uh, kind of experience in gaming, not so much in the w- actual world of of sports because baseball is a big deal. But uh, for gaming, it is a bit of a niche thing, which is why. It's pretty interesting that a, uh, a a company that makes games for PlayStation uh, is going to be making games for the Xbox and the uh, the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I think it's this year. It might be this year. It might be next year. I'm not sure, but that that's again, it's it's your personal pick. It's a, it's a good one uh, for me. My number seven pick, uh, and I literally changed this on the fly because um, of of how much I've been talking it up. Uh, it's not a particular game per se. It is a piece of DLC in the form of Hive Busters. Uh, that is something that is so good. It's so well done by the coalition that it's almost criminal that we did not see more advertisement for this. It came literally out of nowhere. Uh, it was uh, released you know, into Xbox Game Pass. Um, and uh, it is not only a showstopper for the Series X and really puts the console through its pacing, but it is probably 
one of the best pieces of Gears DLC in its history of being a franchise. It is absolutely astounding how good Hive Busters is. That is my number seven pick. Uh, but let's let's move this back around to number six. And we'll start again with uh, Jay the Retro Gamer. For you, what is your number six pick for 2020? Immortals Phoenix Rising. Oh, okay. This is, uh, you know, I'll admit this game really suffered from poor timing on my on my part. It came out after I'd sunk a ton of time into other open world games and just wasn't eager to jump into a new one. Yeah. Uh, however, there was something about the game's vibrant take on Greek mythology that just won me over. It was lighthearted when other open world games were much darker. It had a colorful art style. The combat was simple but fun. You know, I just wasn't a huge fan of the frequent puzzles. They just, oh, they just detracted from the fun for me that I was having doing everything else. You know, all in all, it was a good game that just came out of, at a bad time for me. Uh, but I hope to finish it sometime this year. Okay, nothing wrong with that. Again, a, big, a, a new a new Ubisoft IP uh, for uh, one that's going to show up in a, a, later on in the conversation. But uh, uh, you know, again, uh, I'm actually surprised you didn't put more time into it, being that you're such a big Ubisoft fan. And considering yeah. that it is a new IP, I'm even more shocked. Right, but it's an open world game that came out weeks after a massive open world game called this, you know, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. <laughs> you know, it's I, you know, I, I I scratch my head as to the the reasons why they did it, but you know, not a bad. It's not by no means a bad game. No, no, not not at all. Yeah, again, I see your point. Again, I, that's one of my biggest complaints. I know, just, just, you know, re real world problems, folks. Too many open world games. To play. Exactly, and not to mention, not to mention, also on the heels of Watch Dogs Legion. So I, I have no reason. I have no idea why they would release three open world games in the span of two months. Just they yeah. shot, they shot themselves in the foot on that one. Yeah, they did. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with that. Let's get to Neo Mental. What is your number six pick for 2020? Legion. Um, you know, <sighs> that, that I was actually really upset with Ubisoft because there was a lot of problems um, with uh, that whole launch, um, which is probably the main reasons why I didn't actually get to play Immortal. Um you know, I started playing Watch Dogs on the regular X and um, or the one X, whatever. Uh, and, it, you know, it was pretty good. I mean, it had it had issues. I like the fact that you could literally take any any person off the street and make them into your crew. Um, and then once I found like the spy, it was over because I was sniping people left and right. Um there was some good points in the game. I was really enjoying it, but once the um the Series X came out, I had nothing but problems with the saves. I actually finished I finished the game on the One X only because there was so many problems with the um the new system. It wouldn't save my game, and the only way I could actually play this was to play it on the old system. So I wound up finishing it there. Um. And there was just nothing but problems. And since the, the save issues were happening in Immortal as well, it actually some people were experiencing with um, Valhalla. Um, I actually, once I was done with Watch Dogs, I didn't play either of those games. And I'm actually mad because I didn't get to play any of them. So those two other games didn't even hit my list. Um, you know, I mean, Watch Dogs had some issues, but I, I stuck through it. I beat it. I think it was good enough. Um you know, I mean, it's in that GTA vein. 
I think it had enough to make it good, you know, but I think uh, I probably wouldn't be eager to play another Watch Dogs game at this point. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, this, uh, the losing uh, hours of, uh, of, of a save because of a bug that released in the game that should have been at least that, uh, you know, had that under control is is why a lot of people stepped away from the game and never went back. Uh, there's been yeah. people that have posted online that they lost eight hours of play. Could you imagine? I wouldn't. I wouldn't play the game. Like I would. I'm throwing that game out the window if I lose eight hours. No, yeah. I, I lost like two days because the problem was was the stupid. Um, I had left my system in sleep mode. So I didn't even realize. So you just kept playing. And once it disconnected, like there was no, you would see it on like the little um, UHF bars or whatever, but I didn't realize it wasn't connected to the network. I didn't know what the problem was. So I, I would go like for like, it was like three days. And then by the time I, I had like had to restart the system because it crashed. And I was like, why am I so far back? And then I went into my side missions and stuff. And I was like, what the f- just happened? And then that's when I went online and I found out. And I was like, it was, dude, I was, I was tight. I was so tight. And then when I beat the game is when they patched it. I was like, yo, I'm done. That's why I didn't go into the other games because I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go through that again. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, dude. I mean, nobody wants to put, uh, put time into a game to have it, uh, have to redo everything that that's certainly annoying. Uh, Jay, the destroyer, what is your number six pick? My number six is doom eternal. Do I think it's, did I have as much fun with this one than I did with the 2016 one? No. I thought the I had more fun in with the 2016 one than this one, but this was still obviously it's on my list and it's number 6. So this was an awesome awesome game, graphics, music, the whole 9 yards. It's Doom. It's one of my favorite franchises ever. Uh number 6. There you go. Well, not not a bad pick for me. My number six is a bit of a shocker. I thought this was going to be much higher in the list, and uh, that's Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, for me, uh, as you know, I put over forty days into uh, Odyssey, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I loved everything about that game. Uh, I soaked up every piece of DLC. I think I'm missing one or two achievements. Uh, that I th- I'm like literally minutes away from getting. Um, it I loved Odyssey. I thought I was going to love Valhalla just as much. I don't know why it did not resonate with me as much. I don't know if that's because of the raids. I don't know what, what the aesthetics of of the visuals because you know Odyssey was very very gorgeous to look at, whereas. Um, Valhalla is very dirty. It's it's a very dirty looking game, and I'm not sure if that's maybe why it just didn't click with me. Um, I I'm I'm if it, I would much rather play as uh, the the setting from Odyssey than I would a Viking. Viking. That's just just for me personally, and I'm I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. Great game, a uh, lots to do in that game, um, but I just did not find it good enough to hit. Crack the top five. I enjoyed it, and I'm going to eventually beat, uh, you know, play through it. But I just, I'm not having as much fun with it as I did with. Um, I, I think a, a lot of it has to do with um, having to build your uh, your settlements. I did that, that to me is, eh, you know, I could take it or leave it. I do it, but I just, I could care less. Um, but let's uh, before we move on to the next five. I do want to get everyone's uh, honorable mentions. You don't have to go into particulars for each partic- you know, for each game. You just give us them uh, however you want. But we'll start with uh, 
Jay the Retro Gamer, what are your honorable mentions for 2020 that did not top your uh, your top 10? Uh, the, I'll mention three of them real quick. Uh, one of them is uh, Crash 4, it's about time. I mean, when that, I, I didn't play a ton of it, you know, but when it was good, it was really, really good. And when it was bad, it was like a swift kick to the groin. <laughs> I, it just frustrated me so much. But, you know, look, it was, there's no denying that it is a very well made game and they deserve all the praise that they've gotten. Uh, the next one is Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Again, a game that I enjoyed playing for the you know two or so hours that I played of it. Um, but for whatever reason, I loved the last. I thought the story in the single player on uh, Modern Warfare was incredible. This one didn't grab me as much. And just, it, again, just was a victim of too many other games to play. And then the last one is Final Fantasy VII Remake. And that was just a game that I, I enjoyed playing, would like to get to more of it, um, but just not wasn't good enough to make my top. Okay. I mean, great, great picks. And again, all big AAA bombs that didn't make the top 10. That goes to show you that there were a lot of games to play in uh, 2020 for sure. Neo Mental, what are your honorable mentions? Uh, my honorable mentions is uh, Final Fantasy Remake as well. I mean, I got like maybe, I think like 10 hours into it. Um, loved the game. Graphics were beautiful. I just didn't pull me. There was just way, way too much going on at that time. Um, so that gets honorable mention. Paper Mario, Origami King, um, another game I didn't get too far into, but from what I was playing was really good. I mean, I love the original Paper Mario. Um, you know, Nintendo's got a good, uh, a good sense of, uh, of keeping those good lighthearted games. So I, you know, I thought it was really good. Um, I wish I would have played it more. If I did, it definitely would have hit hit my list higher. Um, but you know that, and uh, the one I actually didn't get a chance to play that you've been talking about a lot was GI Joe. Um, oh, it was horrible. It wow. was. It, 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 it is bad. It's a bad game. But if you are a fan of the of the dude, series. you could be a fan. I just, I you could go pick it up right now on GameFly for for twelve ninety nine. Wow. Well, I already bought it. Yeah, I already bought it. I got it on sale, too. Some of it looks like it was made in dreams. <laughs> wow. I'm not kidding. Some of the later levels, I love G.I. Joe. Maybe not as – listen, we all grew up with it, you know, but I, I, I'm telling you, you play maybe an hour in, that game starts looking like it was made in, like, Roblox or something. Like that. <laughs> wow. Okay? I did, I did, I did play a hiss level uh, that was pretty bad. <laughs> The first one or two levels, you're like, okay, I spent 13 bucks on this. This is not the worst thing on earth. And the license is great. You get about an hour into it, and it's like, wow, what yeah. happened here? Okay. Damn, well, Sorry, I, I had to stop you on that one. Okay. Well, I mean, I was looking forward to playing it with, uh, with Boom. Um, and yeah, I picked it up when it was on sale. I think Christmas had that huge sale. So I got it, I think. I think it was like 20 bucks. I can't remember. Um, so, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it, and I think it was going to be a good game, but we'll see now. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, listen, it is what it is. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I, I am, for me, I could look past some of the horribleness simply because you're playing a Snake Eyes or Duke or Lady J, and 
you know, we haven't had a good a good uh, GI Joe game in history. We don't have a good one now, but I'm I'm willing to look past its flaws for sure. Uh, anything else you'd like to add to the uh, your your honorable mentions, dude? Uh, the Outer Worlds DLC, um, actually, and the Gears DLC, uh, two games that I just didn't get to, um, and they both looked great. I think I'll probably get to Outer Worlds probably next month, um, but you know, didn't get it. Well, obviously, once once you're done with Cyberpunk, there's gonna be, it's gonna be a while before the DLC comes out. There, I think they're gonna be patching that for the next couple of months, so you'll at least be able to give that a break once you get the final secret ending for Cyberpunk. Um, yeah. uh, so, Jay the Destroy, what what are your honorable mentions before we hit on our top five? My honorable mentions are because there's just not enough time in the day, and when you have a full time job and full time kids and full time girlfriend. Uh, these things happen. So it's not because I didn't want to play these. It just just happened. So mine, uh, a couple of mine are Yakuza Like a Dragon. Mm. Uh, I, I ended up, I bought it digitally on the uh, PlayStation. And I got to say, not having the next-gen patch that the Series X has and why it's coming in March and not on day one the way it was on the Series X, I think is deplorable. So I'm holding off on that. Then there's a Call of Duty. I just didn't get to it. Uh, Final Fantasy VII, just didn't get to it. Maneater, I wish I put more time into it. It's a fun, goofy game that's uh, Mafia, Crash, uh, and Need for Speed Most Wanted. I just wish I had more time in the day to get to those games. Not yeah, yet. I didn't get to Need for Speed either. That. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, all all, all big games, um, uh, and 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 all and all worthy to be not. They, 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 I, if you would have played them, I, I would imagine they'd be nominated in some form or fashion. For me, my four that I have is Dirt Five. Uh, I thought that game was fantastic. It surprised me how good it was. Um, the Last of Us Part Two, uh, believe it or not, is in there as a mention only because. Um, what I loved about that game was the stealth, uh, the, uh, the new RPG elements, the weapon creation system, um, and the graphics are just to die for. What I hated was the disjointed story. I think what they did with it was a bit, what was an abomination. I think that it was out of order in many aspects and what, how they vilified, uh, Ellie, uh, just ruined it for me as a character. So it didn't hit your top 10? No, no, it's not in my top 10. It's honorable mention only. Huh. Yeah, and uh, the other two are Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Uh, did not get enough to, did not play enough of that game. Maybe five or six hours. Never went back to it for no particular reason. I just think it's just one of those games that just I didn't get a chance to run through. And the last one that uh, that could have made the top ten because I got one thousand out of one thousand achievements in it and loved every second of it was Man Eater. Uh, that game is free for PlayStation Plus. This month on Sony's uh, uh, system, and it is a laugh riot. Uh, when your shark is jumping around on land, eating people, and they're screaming and running for, for cover, it is just, I mean, it's like drop your controller laughing. Boom, have you seen the next-gen patch of it? No. It looks great. It looks absolutely gorgeous. It's the same game, obviously. It just crisper, cleaner, brighter. It's just, it's beautiful. They really well, yeah, I played it when it first came, when it first came out, and my problem with it was the controls. I don't know if you guys had the same experience. Nope. I it was, no. No, 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 no,
<laughs> well, listen, let's let's move this uh, move the conversation to our top five, and we'll start with Jay, the retro gamer. What is your number five pick for 2020? Uh, my number five pick is Mafia Definitive Edition. Strong pick. Yeah, I, uh, I I adore the Mafia series, especially Mafia Three, despite its game design flaws. I mean, this game is not as good as that, um, but it is still a great way to either revisit or discover it for the first time. Um, the game is short, and the gameplay definitely is not innovative, but it more than makes up for it in its writing and its character building, which made me genuinely want to see where the story takes them. Uh, I beat it in a weekend, and I enjoyed every minute of it. And it gorgeous game, incredible games and graphics, yeah. And it was well worth my time. Nice, strong pick. Let's uh, go to Neo Mental. What is your number five pick? Uh, number five was uh, Miles Morales. Um, this was an incredible sixty-dollar five-hour DLC. I mean, yay! Um, <laughs> not really. Um, I mean, look, the game looks amazing. I mean, it, it's the graphics are phenomenal, um, but the fact that this was sixty-hour DLC for a couple hours worth of content was uh, a little frustrating. But again, you know, oh my God, I feel like we're working our way up to Miles Morales being lower ranked than Cyberpunk. No, <laughs> just wait, this. Oh man. my God, dude. Okay, all right, mm. all right. All right, calm down, everyone. All right, yeah, it'll be a riot. All right, well, let's uh, let's get to uh, Jay to destroy. What is your number five pick? You, you know, after after Retro was talking about Mafia, and I'm like, that was on my uh, honorable mentions list. I did stop for a second and say to myself that we really have had the comedy of riches this year with uh, games. It's just so many games and so many great games because even like the honorable mentions our honorable mentions could have easily easily been on our top 10 and uh it's been some year for gaming yeah. whether it be dlc or full-on games it's been pretty amazing when you really look on paper of everything that was released yeah but, uh, my, that being said my number five is ghost of tsushima um, there's wow. really nothing to be said about it. It's uh, amazing. The story, the graphics, everything about it. I think it's the best stealth that I've ever seen in a game or one of the best. Um, amazing everything. I can't even, I can't say enough about it. So there you go. Well, yeah. I mean, again, uh, my number five pick, uh, like like Neo Mentals, Spider Man Miles Morales. Um, I have not beaten the five hour DLC. Um, I have maybe put a couple hours into it. I'm playing through it now. I am loving every minute of it. it is more Spider Man, but there is something about the story from Miles that uh, just makes me smile, uh, especially with the way that Insomniac game really. Um, they really take the time to put things into games that most people glance over. Perfect example of that is the uh, dinner scene during Christmas. Oh, um, it's it, it's special in a way for me because my wife obviously is Hispanic. My my heritage, my background is of of course uh, uh, Spanish from Spain and uh, family from Puerto Rico. Um, and yeah, even though when you see me, you see just, you know, a white dude, but I have lineage that goes 
um, that that goes uh, into Puerto Rican heritage and seeing a lot of the things around the home gave me real chills to to things that I saw growing up. Uh, When I explained them to to my wife, she was like, wow, they really like even like the, the food on the table was reminiscent of what is served during the holidays that we do to this day. So it, it's just little things like that that made me really appreciate what they were doing besides telling a comic book story. So for me, it's Spider-Man Miles Morales. Um, Jay, the Retro Gamer, what is your number four pick? All right, here we go. Uh, number four, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'm actually shocked it's not higher. Yeah, it, uh, yeah I'll, get into, I'll get into why. Um, I really struggle with this game. I absolutely loved a lot about this game. But for me, it also answers the question, can you have too much Assassin's Creed? And the answer is yes. The answer to that is yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked Eivor. I loved the combat. I loved the story, the side quests, the raids, the hunts, the parkour. But no matter how much I accomplished, and I spent a ton of time on it, there were always hundreds of those activity icons that littered the map so badly that I very often couldn't discern what my current objective was. And those that have played it know what I'm talking about. It just felt daunting, and I gave up on it for now uh, because it just demanded too much of my time, which I needed to get to other games but I will return to it and see the story through. I loved it. It just was, it was just too much. Yeah, no, I get it. I hear you. It makes perfect sense. You know, I don't like stopping the show, uh, but I have to because uh, Tony Gonzalez says something that I think is a little insulting uh, and uh, you're getting fucking banned. Uh, He says, uh, if you're white Puerto Rican, that means that you're from European descent of Spaniards, which I am. Madrid, Spain, specifically, asshole. Um, and uh, that European whites, you need to do your homework. Well, I say fuck you and you're banned um, because, no, we're not going to have that kind of shenanigans. I know my heritage. I'm sorry I didn't take 20 minutes of the podcast, gaming podcast time to talk about it and that somehow or another you were insulted. So now you can go fuck yourself and not pay attention to the show. So thanks for coming and enjoy the rest of your life. Uh, sorry for that, folks, but that gets me that gets me really riled up. I don't like that. If you don't have nothing nice to say, I guess his parents, whether they from were, were Hispanic or not, didn't teach him that it's if you don't have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. And being that this is my show, I can run it any way I want. Uh, sorry about that once again, but let's continue. Why would you Captain America? No, 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 no. Listen, I, I, I don't like that. I, I, I just definitely don't like that. If you, again, how, how, who is this person to say that to me? They don't even know. In fact, I've never even seen him in the chat before. So maybe I insulted him by saying that I have Spanish heritage and I didn't break down every lineage from when they came over and, uh, and uh, from, uh, from Madrid, Spain to now. Sorry about that, dude. Uh, but you don't have to listen. You can give me the thumbs down and fuck off. Um, yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Yeah, but anyway, let's continue with the fun of the show. Uh, and we're going to go to Neo Mental. What is your number four pick? Uh, number four, X Squad, uh, XCOM Chimera Squad. Um, I love the RTS stuff. Uh, again, like, I, you know, I wish I played more of it. Um, you know, my rig is really old. I'm not a PC guy these days. 
I use it mainly to um to log into work. Um so that's its main purpose at this point. Um, so I, you know, I got some stuff I'm looking to update, and uh, I'm hoping that this year I get a, a you know, a decent rig together. I just, I'm not a, I'm not PC gaming, so I don't want to put a lot of money into it. I just, I know I'm gonna play like a handful of titles, and that's it. Especially now with the newer systems, there's no real reason for me to do it. Um, but yeah, XCOM was, it was, it, you know, it was a really good game. I love investing into the characters and stuff like that. So, um. You know, I wish I had more time with it. It probably would have hit more than the the next game on my list. But uh, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, and it's a strong strong pick. Again, that's what's great about these top tens games that most people would potentially overlook find their way into it because of your tastes of gaming. And of course, like like anything else, it's opinions, and it's certainly worthy of your number four pick for Jay the Destroyer. What is number four? My number four is Last of Us 2. Uh, it was a last-generation game, if you want to call it that, that looked completely next-generation. Yeah. Uh, I loved everything about it. It's I'm just one of those games. Um, that's pretty – I mean, and on the PS5 with the back compact, it looks even more stunning than it did on the PS4. So, yeah. Yeah, anybody who hasn't played it yet – you know, however you end up thinking about it, at least play it before you start dropping your opinions everywhere about it. That's all. hundred percent, a hundred percent. Because so many people that have had problems with the game, I would talk to them like, "Oh, well, I didn't really play it," and I'm like, "All right." But that's that's what a lot of games people talk shit about games, and and they act like they know what they're talking about, yet they never have played it. So before you play it. Before you start talking shit about it, right, you, gotta, you, you have to you have to at least play it. Good, that's yeah. fine. Look, yeah. I, I put it to you this way: um, The Last of Us Two, considering as many delays as they had, the studio had a tremendous amount of of dirty laundry get aired with you know uh, crunch, and um, obviously you know there were a lot of uh, you know people with e within the studio that e didn't even like the way the, the direction the game was going. It's still an experience that before you poo-poo it, you should at least try it. Now, I, like I said, I will gladly say that graphically, it's a, it's gorgeous. It's a masterpiece. The stealth mechanics, absolutely fantastic. Um, I loved the addition of the um, the RPG esque system where you can, you know, level up. Uh, your uh your weapons i thought that was really really well done it's this disjointed story especially the flashbacks that were kind of to me anyway felt tremendously um out of order and pulled me out of the story even though they were trying to tell uh what happened between the last of us one and two but i agree with you right there uh jay the destroyer before people start talking crap about a game they definitely should at least play it and i think that a lot of people got in their feels because of a lot of the very touchy subjects that they were uh, invoking in this game that a lot of people did not want to have that conversation. And that's fine. Uh, that's fine. But it's certainly worthy of your uh, top 10. And uh, for me, it was just an honorable mention just based on my terrible distaste for where the game went towards the end. Uh, for me, my number four pick is Watch Dogs Legions. I put a significant amount of time in before I just got sidetracked with just so many other games. I definitely have to 
uh, get back to it. But uh, I, I'm a big fan of the series. One was okay. Two was incredible. I loved, loved the characters. I got every achievement in that game. That game was incredible. Uh, this is even better. I did not think I was going to quite enjoy the uh, no main protagonist, but I wind up getting used to it. And now I'm always searching for the next big thing with, uh, you know, getting someone to join the crew. So I, I enjoyed that about the game. Uh, but let's get into our now. This is where we get into the nitty gritty, folks. The top three for our games of 2020. Uh, Jay, uh, Jay, the retro gamer, what is your number three? Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, wow. number three. Uh, yes, and above Assassin's Creed Valhalla, if you can believe that. Uh, what a breath of fresh air that game was. I mean, when I when I think about that game, the first thing that to me that comes to mind is just how elegantly the game was designed. In it was a stark contrast to Assassin's Creed and the myriad of activities that I talked about. I mean, this game takes. The less is more is pro. The less is more approach, but it makes the less much more meaningful, and the game is better for it. I mean, Sucker Punch did a phenomenal job in recreating their version of feudal Japan, and it not only is it gorgeous, it just made me stop so I can just, you know, just kind of stare at it. To be honest, then there's the combat, which was fun as fun as it was challenging. The story is just as compelling and just as good if not better than any samurai movie that i've ever seen i mean for sony this game capped a phenomenal run of first party titles and they should be very proud of what they've accomplished oh there's no doubt dude uh they this i put it to this way uh in my personal opinion someone that really reveres uh, ubisoft as one of the best developers slash publishers in the gaming space um, I think that uh, they need to take notes from Sucker Punch on how to do a, an Assassin's Creed in feudal Japan because this was as close to getting one as you could ask for. It was phenomenal. Great, great pick. Uh, Neo Mental, what is your number three pick? Uh, my number three is uh, Last of Us Part Two. Um, you know, I had a... For me, the only problem with this game was the with the story. I mean, the mechanics, the graphics, uh, and, and like Destroyer said, it looks really good on the PS5. Um, I loved the game, and there were some points. I mean, the graphics were just top-notch. They did a really good job with this game. Um, but, you know, the story just... <sighs> the story frustrated me so much that yep. I've never played a game where they were literally forcing me to do the opposite of what I wanted to do. And it just kept taking me out of it. And it was just like, you know, when you, when you look at online and what everyone was saying was like, I can't, I, I, I was really dumbstruck that everyone was like, Abby is such a great character. And I'm like, wait a minute. If you've been playing this game, you know that Abby and Ellie are technically the same character. Pretty like, much. Guys, wait, wait. I, I need to stop you for a second. But think of it like this for a split second. What game that you've played this year is more forget uh, I can't come up with a better term, but un unsafe. No, 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 no. Unsafe. Like you talk about games that are cookie cutter, talk about games that are safe, quote unquote, safe, and play by all of the rules. What game took more left turns and took more? Whatever you want to call it, ballsy, ballsy, I don't know, 
chances for better or worse than Last of Us 2. I mean, look, that's the reason why I got as high as it did. But again, my problem was I don't know. Like you, they just, I felt like they did a lot of stuff just to get people talking. And I feel like a lot of the hype around The Last of Us was that so many people were talking about it. Because I'm just like, look, if you played the first one, Joel was the man. And everyone was fine with Joel getting killed. I'm like, yo, I ride for mine. So I'm like, the fact that this chick killed Joel, I was off the rip. She's got to go. That's 100%. And the fact that, like, he saved her and she still killed her, oh, my God. Like, I can't tell you how many – there's literally every scene I had a problem with. I'm like, if I just killed somebody, there's not a chance in hell I'm leaving anyone – I'm not leaving this little girl and this other dude to come kill me after the fact because I literally just traipsed states across some uh, wilderness to kill this one guy, and I'm going to leave witnesses to come back after the fact? Like, it's stupid to me. But then we saw it in two different, completely. We played the same game, but we saw it in completely two different viewpoints. Because you saw it as that, and I saw it as, "Holy shit, this game is keeping me on my fucking toes." Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I mean, from a story standpoint, I get, I get, I get what you're saying completely, dude. I get it. It, it was just, I was so frustrated. And like, you know, like Ellie, like I said, they're, they're, they're the same character technically. I mean, one, each of the fathers gotten killed. I mean, Ellie's story was way more horrible than, than Abby's was because all that her problem was was her dad got killed. She goes to the gym to work out so she can kill this one guy. I mean, Ellie, her girlfriend gets killed. She gets friggin' bitten. It, it the people that play it know there's a lot to it. And the fact that, like, you're playing halfway through the game and they're like, okay, now is Abby. You have to try and avoid uh, Ellie. And I was like, I literally sat there for, like, 20 minutes letting Ellie kill me as Abby. I'm like, I want her to die. I Let me know that this was one of the most uncomfortable games I have ever played. Yeah. And, yeah. and but, 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 but then you have to stop and think to yourself, how many games like that have you played? And I know the word uncomfortable doesn't sound like something you want to experience, but in this particular situation, it, it wrapped up in the amazing graphics and the amazing sound and the amazing, uh, you know, everything else. It, it's unlike anything you've played on probably almost ever. Yeah, I you know what for me it just didn't feel organic. Like I have listen, I don't care if you know you you you're gay, whatever, you know, one of my groomsmen is gay, best friend. I, I don't care about that stuff. You know what I'm saying? And the, the weird part was the transgender part, I didn't even understand I beat the game and then found out that the character was transgender because I didn't understand what was going on until after the fact. And I was like, oh crap, that's what was going on. Cause I didn't understand it, I guess, when I was in it. Um, but it did not feel like this was an organic story. It felt like they were like, okay, we're going to take these issues. We're going to throw it in. And then this is the story and nothing about this game felt natural. And I, you know, I just felt like it was a lot of like frigging lip service. We throw all this stuff in. People are talking about this game nonstop, all this controversy stuff got leaked. It just, if all of those issues aside and you'd had this game, like they did a lot in this game that I really loved and would love to see again. Um, but story-wise, that was the biggest problem. And, you know, this game could have been game of the year and it should not have been game of the year on anyone's list. Like, especially when there was other games that like, there's no one that can tell me that this game was better than Ghost of Tsushima. It's I agree 100%. It's yep. 
It's not. It's just not. So, I mean, you know, this is for me, it's just a lot of anger at this game and a lot of, you know, the, the fact the way this game sat, you know, uh, worldwide, um, you know, and not for the issues that most people that don't like the game have with it. So, you know. Well, again, strong opinions from everybody on the chat, and that's what I love about this. I knew this was going to be a very divisive conversation. Jay the, the Destroyer, what is your number three pick? My number three is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I haven't really honestly been into an Assassin's Creed this much in a long time, and they've never really ever really made my top ten, I don't think, in years. But for some reason, this one grabbed me, and uh, playing it, you know, on uh, day one of the new systems was great. I, I, I don't know. I loved it. I, the, I get what Retro was saying with the map. I get that in a lot of games, man, where there's just too much right. crap going on on the map. What am I doing? What's a main quest? What's a side quest? What's this? What's it's? Sometimes it's overwhelming, and I, I totally get that, but... I, I really love I thought the graphics were amazing. I thought I, I really dug all the characters. I thought the acting was pretty good for the most part. Maybe not the greatest in the world, but it was good. Um, so, yeah, this is my number three. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Strong pick. Uh, real quick, before I get to my number three, I got to thank DJ Birdos DOS. And the chat drops not one, but two $5 super chats. The first one, he says, thanks, Boom. I'm enjoying this episode. Well, thank you for being here, dude. And he drops another $5 super chat and says, my biggest problem with The Last of Us 2 was the flashbacks. Mine as well. Uh, it just kills the pace for me. And that's why I can't bring myself to do a second playthrough. Dude, you are 100% right because I normally play through these games two times to get the trophies. And I started it, and I was so annoyed that I could not get the choice. And, and I'm close to, like, on three gold tro trophies, as a matter of fact. And I'm like, just, eh, whatever. Uh, but for me, and this really shouldn't come off as anybody's surprise, and I'm actually surprised no one even talked about this game, Resident Evil 3 Remake. Um, my God, it was so well done. Um, and, and what's crazy is it wasn't done by the same team that did Resident Evil 2 Remake, uh, which came out in 2019. Uh, I know that we've seen some leaks from Capcom. We're going to be getting something Resident Evil for the next couple of years, I think five years, which is great for me because I'm a diehard Resident fan. Uh, we have the Netflix show. We have the, uh, the series coming out, which I cannot wait for. I believe there's a new film coming out as well. It's going to be in the vein of the games. Uh, for me, Resident Evil 3, I beat it, uh, I believe, four times. Twice on the PS4, twice on the Xbox, and loved every second of it. But let's get back around to, now this is where we get into the weeds, so to speak. Jay the Retro Gamer, what is your number two pick? The runner-up for Game of the Year for me was Spider-Man Miles Morales. Strong pick, dude. Uh, you know, look, the game may be a more refined version of the game that I voted for and uh, lost as the number one game in 2018 to God of War. Uh, but I was 100% down to dive back in. And, uh, I mean, if you look at the games on this list, you know, this was a great year, not only for graphics, and raw, you know, console power, but it was a great year for storytelling. And this game was no different. You know, Miles and, and that whole cast of characters were expertly written, acted just like the original. But the vibe uh, with Miles just made it feel unique enough to stand on its own. 
I mean, otherwise I just loved swinging around the city just like I did before and the combat. I mean, there's just, it's just so satisfying that no encounter was ever boring. You know, they tried to spice it up with the Venom powers and they worked to add like a new level, you know, of immersion that, you know, it was, but it was an already a great system. I mean, it was also the perfect length of a game for me. And I appreciated it. It did not try to overstay its welcome. I just, I can't say enough to think about it. Dude, can't argue with that, dude. Strong, strong pick. Let's get to Neo Mental. What is your number two pick for 2020? All right. Number two for me. And I, I, I've been on the fence, and I was going to call it Audible, but I'm going to keep it the way it was. Um, my number two is Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, my God. Yes, <laughs> no, I knew well. number one is. <laughs> Oh my god! I should have bet money on it. Oh, um, listen, Ghost of Tsushima is probably one of the most cleanest games I've played in a long time. Um, I platinumed it. It was my first platinum on that system. Oh wow! Um, I did everything there is to do in that game. I didn't actually play the DLC because I had already sold my PS4 for, um, you know, for credit towards the new systems. And I, you know, I just got the PS5 um, a couple weeks ago. And uh, so I'll, I'll probably get into that. But, uh, you know, I loved everything about it. I think this game for me came out of nowhere. It was like, a re like I did not expect to be that much in love with a game where I've actually wanted, because that's like probably the first time I've ever tried to get everything in a game. Um, and it just kept me there. It kept, you know, the scenes, the storyline, it was, it was a good clean game. I, I had no problems with it. Um, you know, I really believe that Ghost of Tsushima should have won game of the year. Um, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, the players picked it, so that's good enough for me. Um, and I really thought nothing was going to come out of, you know, nothing was going to come out to knock it out. And, uh, I fought for this one for like, I, I really had a lot of checks and balances. And at the end of the day, what wound up picking my number one was the, how much time and, um, just sheer dedication I put into it. But, um, ghost was dope. You know, it gave you yeah, that old school Channel Five uh, flick. Yeah, just everything about it was phenomenal. I think it was a really great game. Should have got more love than it did. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, again, strong, strong pick. Uh, Jay the Destroyer, what is your number two pick for twenty twenty? Well, the reason no one else mentioned RE three up until now is because we're not done with our lists yet. So, Resident Evil three is my number two. And let me tell you something, you could say whatever you want about RE2 is better and blah, 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 blah. I don't care. From the minute one to the last second of this game, I had a smile on my face. I had a blast playing this. So anyone who thinks that Resident Evil 3 is the weak sauce can kiss my ass. Um, this was, uh, I, I don't, I mean, outside of one of the game, this was one of the, you know, one of the, the the second game of the year that I had the most fun with outside of my first one, and Resident Evil Three should never be looked at like some kind of a, you know, like I said, some kind of a weak point in the Resident Evil series because it's not. Um, 
It is. Uh, um, I think it's a. I, I, I'm going to say I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree right there with you. Uh, my I don't own. What anybody says, it's my opinion, and and that's that. So there you go. That's why no one spoke about RE3 yet. Well, my only my only issue why it's not higher, why it's not my game of the year, like Resident Evil 2 was, is because they did cut out some major parts. Uh, for and I get that. I like, get it. Like like the like the clock tower is uh you know uh you know instance with um nemesis that was cut out um the uh the park uh, where it was kind of like with the zoo where they had those uh creatures that were uh you know like one and done but they were still there that whole part uh with the subway was uh was cut out uh that when the, when the train was above ground uh, they, they did cut out some things that's why it's not higher but i agree with you i think it's a masterpiece and it was well done uh, and the game the nemesis was scary like he every freaking time that guy came in you were running for your life uh that's a great pick for me now this is if we would have had the show two weeks ago my, my pick would have been different um but i have to say that very similar to the situation happened with us in 2018 with God of War being edged out by Assassin's Creed Odyssey um, has happened once again, folks. Um, my game of the year 2020 up until two weeks ago was Ghost of Tsushima um, for many, many, many reasons. And unfortunately, due to what's ahead of it, uh, it was boxed out at the last second for my number two pick. I platinum this game. I think that this game is leaps and bounds. And I'm not just talking about just a leap. I'm talking about leaping over a tall skyscraper better than The Last of Us 2 in every way possible. I think that this deserves to be number one. I literally feel guilty in my belly from not making this game of the year because it by all rights should be. Um, uh, it's just a game that keeps on giving even after you beat the single player with the multiplayer. And uh, I cannot wait to see what Sucker Punch does next. I don't know if it's going to be a sequel, but I will say this, like I said before, I think Ubisoft needs to seriously take a look at this game and mimic it in a way where Assassin's Creed Japan is similar to this, but they can do the things that we know and love about uh, the Assassin's Creed series. And, and, and I think like Jay, the retro gamer said, this is a game that should be put on hiatus to franchise at least for two years, the same way Odyssey was. When Odyssey, when, when Odyssey came out, it, that team had two years to do it. And I'd like to see them maybe even skip this year with, uh, with releasing another um, Assassin's Creed and have us go to Japan. I think that's where we all wanted to go. And uh, Sucker Punch did an amazing, amazing game. So, Jay the Retro Gamer, what is your game of 2020? Game of the year, what is it? I, I don't think that any of, at least any of the three of you, are going to be terribly surprised at this one. Uh, the number one game of 2020, and I did debate it. Uh, because of how early in the year it came out. And it it came out right around the time that the, the pandemic was um, kind of getting ramped up. So I needed something to distract me. I needed something to feel good about. I needed something to kind of take my mind off of everything. And it couldn't have come at a better time. And that game is Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Um, you know, the, at all. The, the expect my expectations for this sequel were unrealistically high, and I couldn't imagine it being as good as the original. You know, and look, you never forget your first 
but I'm happy to say that this game improved on most every aspect of the original. It, you know, the Pixar visual, Pixar-like visuals, you know, they were more layered, they're more gorgeous, especially on the Series X where you can run them up to uh, 120 hertz, I believe, if you have the right uh, TV. Yeah, right. 120 hertz. And uh, the combat was overhauled and feels fresh and super fun, especially now they have boss battles in the game. And then there's the fluidity, which Ori just kind of bounces around the screen so effortlessly due to, you know, the fact that the, the controls are so intuitive, so responsive. And the story still manages to pull at the heartstrings the way the first one did. The score is just as good as it ever was. All of that added together just was an unbelievable sequel and one that I am very happy to name as my personal game of point. Nice. That's wrong pick for Neil Mental. Let's get, get into the controversy. What is your game of the year 2020? <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077. <sighs> so Jacob just just committed Sapuko. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you know, uh, I beat it four times. I got all the I got the main endings. The only ending I need now is the secret ending. <sighs> This this game has been a source of love and frustration over the last four weeks, and I, you know, the fact that this game launched so broken had really frustrated me that it was even an argument to put it between one and two. Um, but as I kept playing it, like when you first play this game, the sheer volume of what's going on is is daunting. It's overwhelming. Like when I first got in there, it was and you know. When it came out, the game technically came out on Xbox on the tenth. So you know they PC launched at seven o'clock the day before. I think Stadia launched as well. Yeah. If you set your Xbox to New Zealand, you were actually able to play at seven with everyone else. So I did that, and I was playing the game, you know, on Xbox before everybody. I saw a couple people on my friends list that did the same thing, and um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time playing it. And unfortunately for me, the holidays at work are insane. Um, and I'm actually in my office. So, you know, I, it was a lot of time that I didn't get a chance to play it the first couple of days as much as I wanted to. But once I finally got into it, you know, and you, and you start rolling, like the game is just, it, it's for me, you talk about value. I'm, I'm playing the game for a month now. I'm probably going to be playing it for another month. I'll probably pick up on the PS5 so I can see what the differences are on there. Um, and then I'll probably play that. Like, you know, I've already got like 300 hours in the game. Um, so I'll probably get another 300. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah. You know, like I really started getting into the mechanics of the game. <clears throat> I tweaked my settings. Like the, the shooting for me was great. I had zero problems, especially with some of the weapons you pick and some of the attachments that you get. Um, and what, what was one thing that stood out was what really would define this game for me was, you know, obviously you get missions. So I was on a mission where I was supposed to kill this guy, right? Simple mission, you pick up this guy, you know, he wants to get revenge. This guy killed his wife, blah, blah, blah. So you go to go kill this person, right? And the first time I did it, I didn't realize that we were attacking cops. So I'm like, oh, wait a minute, why are the cops going on me? So I had reloaded my save so I could see what was going on. And I didn't shoot first, and the guy that's with me gets killed. The assassination mission winds up turning into a completely different side mission if you don't kill this person. So it turned into this other mission where I'm with these characters for like another three steps. 
And it was just, it was, it was mind blowing to me that you could have completely missed this mission that wasn't on the board. It wasn't announced. There was no indication that this, this side mission was even there. And that happens a lot of times. Like you'll be on one main mission. And if you just talk and strike up a conversation in a certain way, it launches off to this other mission where this other person calls and says, Hey, you know, I need this help. This person is stalking me or whatever. And it was just so wild that you could play it and run through it and beat the game in probably like 20, 40 hours or whatever it was, it, it, whatever it is. But if you really took the time to do stuff, like there was a lot more. And like, even when I beat the game, my map was, there was still a bunch of missions that I could have did. And like I said, if there's these secret missions in the game, you know, that was really cool. You know, there was like different legendary gear that you can get where like there was like a story behind it. Like there's just so much to do in this game. It's almost Destiny-ish level of stuff that you could do. And I was just really impressed by that. And the fact that this game came out as broken as it did, when you look at the game, all right, the game got pushed back four different times. We know off the rip, Microsoft made them push that back for the new consoles. That's what I don't even have a doubt in my mind about that. But these guys were working from home and putting the amount of content that they did in this game and had to push it. They were basically programming for like six different consoles. You know what I'm saying? So that's a lot of code. And when you're like working remotely, that task is is daunting, bro. Like I'm working remotely for an advertising firm. And there's days where I'm like, I'd rather just bite the bullet and drive to work so I can work from all uh, so I can work there. Can you imagine trying to debug a game while working remotely? Like do, do you not think that this game was too bold in scope for what they for what they accomplished? Like do you know what I'm saying? Like the vision yeah. was just too big yes but i think that the vision needed to be there because I, I i want to see more games like this like think about bungie bungie had 500 million dollars to develop their game you know what i'm saying they had the time they had the money you, you need to hire somebody else no problem let's go they had all those resources what this what cd project did with this game for me I, I mean, look, I get it. A lot of problems. The game came out bugged. I, I had issues where I, I literally could not get past a certain point because the game glitched out. And then the I downloaded the update and it worked for me. Um, for the, you know, I played it on the One X. I mean, not One X, the Series X. I didn't encounter half the problems that most people did. And that's a shame. But my experience with this game is phenomenal i'm still playing it like th literally this morning i was playing the game and i was like man i i was almost like i wished we weren't doing the show today because i just want to spend the rest of the day playing the game you know what i'm saying like that's how my, and i've already beaten it four times like the game i'm still going to be playing this game for like another couple of hundred hours wow well i mean listen to each is everyone's own you know what i love to hear that you get invested in a game and you're having experiences with the game that a lot of people did not have. And that, and that is the magic of gaming. But Jay the Destroyer, what is your game of the year 2020? Uh, let me just preface one thing like from what Neil was saying. Like we could go on. I think Retro could tell you that there's a, there's a couple things in my life that I could talk passionately, passionately about. And Cyberpunk this year was one of them. I called him almost 
every day that I was playing it to either complain about something in it or praise something in it. And I'll just leave you with one thing. I, I don't think I've, like I said, maybe earlier in the show, I don't think I've ever played a game like this in my life where I did put in the hours and I beat it and I saw a bunch of the endings. And at the same time, I couldn't stop playing it. Yet as I was playing it, I couldn't tell you if I was enjoying myself or not. Because every aspect of this game, it was, what's what's the phrase where it's like uh, master of none? What, what's the jack, phrase? Jack of all trades, master of none. Jack of all trades. I think they were a jack of all trades in this game and not one aspect was nailed or mastered. Maybe the world, the world building, I guess. But that's how I felt. But there was something about it because I still couldn't stop playing it. But and I thought about the whole time, should I even should I put this as like on my top 10 list? And I was like when I even at sitting at number 10, I just felt like it didn't deserve to be there with the other games on my list. But God bless you, you enjoyed it to a certain extent. I obviously enjoyed it too. So I'm a hypocrite if I say anything else. But my number 1 game of the year, it was a no-brainer. It's Miles Morales. There's really nothing to be said other than what Retro said. What he said at all. Um, it was just all I could say is when I was playing it for the first time, something like you know went off in my brain where it just felt like even though there's a PS4 version, I don't care about it. I played it on the PS5, and for some reason, I'm playing it. And that first moment, I was like, Yeah, this is what I bought a PS5 for. Whether you think I'm crazy or not, that's fine. That's no, I agree with that. That's when I'm when I was playing it. A couple things happened in it, and I was like, "That's right. This is what I paid the five hundred bucks for." Had a smile on my face. It was worth it. The game could have ended an hour. Forget about it being six hours. It could have been an hour. At that moment, I don't care. That was my favorite moment of the year and my favorite game of the year. And and there you go. So that's it. Now, well, dude, there's nothing wrong with that. Let me just catch up on the super chat. We have uh, uh, Stephen Clark drops a very generous $5 super chat and says, my number one game of 2020 is Immortals Phoenix Rising. Still loving and looking forward uh, looking forward to going on it again after the show. And yes, folks, uh, my game of the year 2020 is exactly that. Immortals Phoenix Rising. It is a game that I put over 70 plus hours into, closer to 75, before getting every achievement in the game. Uh, it is a game that writing was so fresh and so current that um, the game was being told from almost a Deadpool-esque kind of um, a scenario from the, from the Breaking the Wall uh, fourth person. Uh, and a fourth person uh, uh, version of it, if you will. I just think that it just was, it was so unlike, but at the same time, very similar to what we know in love, at least what I love about Ubisoft games. See, see, with me, I like a lot of things to do, which is why, still shocking to this day, The Witcher 3 just does not resonate with me. I don't know if it's the combat. I don't know if it's the inventory system that really put me off, but something about Immortals was so good that I could not stop playing it. And it borrows a tremendous amount of greatness from Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is one of my favorite games of the Switch generation. Uh, yes, 
the one thing I love that they did was there was no breakable weapons. You found the weapon, you enjoyed it, you used it. Um, what one of the, the unique things of this game? Uh, and I think it really just goes into uh, Ubisoft wanting you to play your character and look the way you want it to look was um, normally when you find weapons or armor, that armor set will have a set bunch of stats that you really enjoy, but it looks ugly. And, you know, you want your character to look appealing to your eye if you're going to spend 50, 60, 70 hours playing the game. That was one of the things that they added where you can hold the armor, use the armor you wanted, but change its appearance with another armor that you liked. I think it, more games need to adapt that. Um, I loved the ability of flying around all over the map. And I, and I thought the puzzles were really, really challenging and thought-provoking. Again, pulling a lot from Zelda Breath of the Wild. I mean, listen, what, what can I say? It was my game of the year 2020. Uh, once again, uh, edging out a Sony first-party uh, you know, first game. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but not sorry, to be honest with you, because both my number one and number two, um, I got, uh, I platinumed and got 1,000 out of 1,000 achievements, uh, respectively, and enjoyed every second. I played both Ghosts of Tsushima and Immortals Phoenix Rising, but I just think that Immortals had more there for me and literally just beat out Ghosts by a hair. The same way um, God of War in 2018 lost to Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, but uh, Jay the Retro Gamer, uh, have you had a chance to tally up the actual group game of the year? And please explain to the folks listening that are still here how that comes to pass. Yes, if they made it this far, I'm sure they're dying. <laughs> um, They'll yeah. be right in the streets. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, the way the the way the scoring works is that uh, every game in our top individual top tens uh, is assigned a number. The number ten game gets a point, whereas the number one game gets ten points. Very simple. You do the math. The game with the most points uh, at the end is the group game of the year. And this year was a nail biter once again. Uh, we do not have a tie. Thank God. Uh, we do not have a tie, though. The game that won and the game that is the runner-up uh, are separated by a single point. Wow. So, and it is between Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and Ghost of Tsushima. And, okay. and the 2020 group game of the year is Ghost of Tsushima. Not wow. sorry about that at all. So yeah, I am. Uh, I would have liked to got vindicated for the group game of the year loss of Spider-Man from two years ago. Uh, yeah. I still think should have won, but I lost that battle. So it would have been nice to have it win uh, this year. But I am, I am, I am very happy with the uh, group, uh, the group ten. So. Well, again. Strong, strong opinions from the entire group. Uh, the chat was fantastic, other, other than the one a hole, which of course we will not uh, we will not name. Um, but uh, this is uh, again, folks. This is this is done in conjunction of our love for each other that we have. We're all brothers. Uh, again, it's something that we normally did privately. 
uh, that we didn't think would would garner an audience. Uh, I'm glad to say that we had so many people. We had 100, over 100 people in the chat. And again, we weren't expecting big numbers because this is more of a, a passion project for us that we do each and every year. And as we close out the show, uh, we're going to close out with our most anticipated uh, games or things for for 2021 uh, and we'll start with jay the retro gamer what are you most anticipating for this year of gaming uh the biggest one on the list is far cry 6 nice strong I mean, pick. Just, i just I, I mean it's one of my favorite franchises of all time followed closely by uh ratchet and clank into the drift nice um i believe that's what it's called and Rift uh apart. Rift i'm sorry apart. Rift, Rift yeah. apart, correct my apologies um, and then on just to kind of sneak one smaller game in that was announced during the BGAs last month, uh, a game called Fist, uh, which was a uh, forge, I think it's called Forged in Shadow Torch. Uh, it's a combat heavy 2D Metroidvania uh, that looks super interesting. And if you're a fan of that genre, I highly recommend you check that out. I hope it, you know, I have high hopes for it. That'd be really good. Well, um, again, all great picks. All great picks. A lot to be excited about for sure. Uh, Neo Mental, what has you excited for 2021 other than life itself? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, maybe the end of friggin' yeah. lockdown. Sunshine. That's my most interesting. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, I think for me, Horizon, I love that series. Um, you know, I don't know what we're getting. Uh, but I'm looking forward to that. I think we're getting... Uh, well, absolutely, I'm not 100% sure. Are we getting Breath of the Wild this year? Too? Supposedly. Uh, yeah. Supposedly, Breath of the Wild 2 should be should be releasing, rumored to be releasing, along with a new Switch in March. Yeah, well, I'm not really a fan of these mid-hardware uh, mid, uh, releases, but whatever. But yeah, I mean, uh, the new Zelda um, and in Halo. Um yeah, I think that's it for right now. I haven't really been keeping an eye out of the future, um, you know, and because I, I know there's going to be a bunch of DLC for Cyberpunk. Actually, I believe we're supposed to get something this month, but I don't know uh, if that's still going on. But uh, yeah, so for right now, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, I'm I'm hoping to hit my backlog because <laughs> there's like 10, 12 games I need to get to this year. I, dude, I'm right. I'm right there with you, bro. My backlog is gross, uh, but again, p producing three live shows a week and trying to ma maintain the household and still be a gamer sometimes is challenging. But I definitely am up for the challenge. Uh, Jay, the Destroyer, uh, what is your most anticipated uh, game or games for 2021? Obviously, everything that everyone else uh, named, like Ratchet and Clank and Halo. And just to add a couple in there, like, how about RE Village? I yes, mean, that's mine. One of mine. Yes, yeah. indeed. And, uh, and uh, just a personal thing. I don't know how good it's going to be. I really pray to God that it's good. But I, I can't wait for that Evil Dead game. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, dude. Game. I don't care if it's just a four-on-four four or whatever, just multiplayer, whatever. I'm going to love it. But. Yeah, and there's another game that I wanted to add in this a game called Metal Hellslinger coming out. I don't know if anyone's ever seen it, but it's no, like is it a shooter. It's like a first person shooter with like a rhythm game to it. Oh, okay. And it's got a lot of like uh, uh I'm a big fan of death metal, so it's got some death metalness to it. Um that looks really cool. But that's it. 
All right, strong picks for me. Yeah, that uh, Halo Infinite uh, is uh, one of one of the top of the list for me personally. For a lot of reasons, um, I, I I really want three four three industries to be vindicated. I think that they have had a tough go at it. I think even with fans of the series like myself, I, I'm not saying I give them uh, too much uh, slack, but I have I do want to see them deliver the full package. With Halo Infinite, meaning we're going to get strong multiplayer, but we're going to get an incredible single player. What we used to get when Bungie held the torch uh, with, uh, of course, uh, Halo uh, uh, 1, 2, and 3, ODST, and Reach. Uh, all fantastic games. I, I do want um, Infinite to be able to be put into that same conversation, and I think they're going to do it. Um, other than that, um, I have Resident Evil 8 or Resident Evil Village. I'm very, very excited to get back into the RE world uh, that's telling a new story with werewolves and potentially Chris Redfield being an antagonist as opposed to the protagonist. Uh, that has me both worried and excited at the same time. Um, we also have uh, Back for Blood, which looks incredible. Um, that team that brought us Left 4 Dead 1 and 2 is really, really uh, passionate about bringing a, a, a proper um, you know, sequel to those two games in a, in a, in a new form. Um, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm really inter interested to see what Nintendo does with a lot of their anniversaries that are coming up. You know, are we going to get remakes of some classic Zelda games? Are we finally going to get the Metroid Prime trilogy on the Switch? Um, and uh, that, that's that's for me, that's about it. Those, those are the real main bangers. Uh. You know what? I want to. I want to also the the Mass Effect trilogy. I can't believe I forgot. Strong. That. That's a great one, dude. Yeah, that that would have been left off the list by accident. Yeah, that's a, that's another one. I cannot wait to run through Mass Effect. Hopefully, it is a proper HD revival. And uh, what I hope there's two things I hope for. One that it's going to be great. Um, that that's more important because who 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 doesn't want a great HD remaster of, of Mass Effect one, two, and three? What I'm hoping is that this does well enough for EA to go into their HD bag and bring us the Dead Space trilogy done in the same format. Because uh, I would love to run through Dead Space once again on new consoles that can push the graphics into new levels that we've never seen. Uh, that's that's something else. But listen, folks, this has been a great uh, two and a half hours. Didn't expect the show to run this long, but we were a little sidetracked by my rant. I do want to apologize for going a little off the cuff. I'm out of, That's out of character for me, but I do not like that. Uh, if there's one thing that really, really gets my goat, it's someone coming into this chat and, and, and pulling that kind of shenanigans. That was unacceptable behavior. And unfortunately for him, he was thrashed in a way that I don't think he expected, and I'm not sorry about that. Uh, but I am have to say a big thank you to the over 100 people that came out for this very small, passionate uh, show that we put together for you guys and gals each and every year. Again, it's a passion project for us. We're glad that you can uh, you've tuned in to check it out. If you enjoyed it, please hit the like button. If you didn't, obviously hit the thumbs down. And let's get to the outros. Get everyone out of here. And of course, wait, before I get to the outros, I want to thank the super chats that have come in. Once again, the generosity is uh, never expected, but always appreciated for sure. And we'll start with Jay, the retro gamer. Where could people reach out to you on social media, potentially to strike up a conversation? 
at jtheretrogamer on Twitter. Well, great to have you here. Great to get together with you. Unfortunately, we're not getting together for dinner tonight because of the pandemic. Hopefully, we will be out of this horrible way of living, uh, and next year we'll be actually getting together and meeting in person. Uh, that's going to be something I'm looking forward to. Uh, Neo Mental, where could people reach out to you on social media? Neo Mental, you can yell at me on Twitter if you like about how I'm an idiot and Cyberpunk should not have been on my list. But you know, what is that again? <laughs> what is that Twitter handle again? Neo Mental. Oh, I'm just writing it down. I'm sorry. Okay. I do have a mouth, and I will tell you to go kiss my ass. So it's all good. <laughs> now, yeah. I mean, listen. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, and uh, you are not alone in the uh, conversation of Cyberpunk being your game of the year. There are a lot of people that I know that put that in there because they enjoyed it so much, and. Uh, Jay the Destroyer, where could people reach out to you and strike up a conversation on Twitter? I don't know. Uh, Jay the Destroyer on all the systems and all that kind of stuff. Uh, peace out, everyone. Stay safe. There you go. Now, easy enough, quick, quick and easy, and that's the way we like it. Folks, I want to thank everybody once again for tuning in to the, the, uh, the special edition Saturday episode of Double Barrel Gaming Presents. Obviously, we'll be back next week in our regular uh, programming format, Primetime Gaming at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the Xbox Factor Podcast at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday, and the new episode of Breakfast with Boom on Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We hope to see you there in the chat, and I'm already working on next week's content, and there's going to be a lot to discuss. So take care, everyone, and I'm going to close out the show with something that's important to me. Hopefully, one day, it'll be important to you, and that's something that my dad taught us, and he used to say, son, treat others how you want to be treated, and also, it doesn't cost anything to be nice. You live by those rules, and I can guarantee you, you're going to have an awesome day. So take care, everyone, and we'll see you back here next week.